Drive All Night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, please visit patreon.com slash songsoftoriamus. There you'll learn what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash songsoftoriamus to help us continue to make high quality and Torytainment for you. Every songwriter is in their own songs, even if it's from an observational standpoint, or you couldn't write, you couldn't translate them. You would be getting these songs to translate, or, you know, they'd go to Jewel or something. And I'd get her songs, but obviously I don't. They come to her um, in a way that only she can interpret. Um, and that's what's exciting, I think, about seeing yourself as a translator instead of being the only creator because well first of all because you're not and second of all i think you insult the muse when you do that hey everybody you're listening to drive all night the songs of tori amos we are your hosts i'm Ephraim jr and i'm david anderson and on today's episode we're talking about bachelorette a b-side from tori's fourth album from the choir girl hotel Hi, David. Hey, Eve. How's it going? It's going great. How are you? I'm pretty good. How's your journey through the B-Sides been from the Choir Girl Hotel B-Sides? I'm enjoying these uncharted regions of Tordor. We're creating our own map. We're mapping it as we go. How do you feel about it? I feel like since this is the last time we're ever in B-Side territory, we have to enjoy it. Gosh, is that true? I didn't really think about it until you said it from here on out. Well, I know. They're a couple, I guess, right? Not till Scarlet's Walk, maybe? Yeah, I mean, there's the Scarlet's Hidden Treasures, but other than that, like, ooh. Operation Peter Pan, I guess. But, yeah. It's um, murky B-side waters. <laughs> Gather ye B-sides while ye may and hold gold dust in your hands or something, because you never know when it's going to be the last time. Right. Hold your bachelorettes tight. Yeah. How do you feel about this song, Bachelorette? I love this song. I think it's a breath of fresh air. It was then, and it still is. We've talked about, you know, Tori having silly songs or fun moments, and they're never ultimately quite as silly or fun as they seem to be on the surface once you dig in, including, you know, like a happy phantom is really about like death. I don't know. It ends up being kind of heavy, but this is a very fun song. No two ways about it. I agree. And she's having fun in the recording of it. You can tell, which I'm sure we'll get to. So yeah, it's a party. It's a party track. Bachelorette party. Is this um, a song that marks hot girl summer? Would you play this on a night out with the girls? Like getting ready to go out, doing your makeup, maybe? Yeah. Like between Kesha's TikTok and and like any... Yeah. Yeah. You're brushing your teeth with a bottle of Jack and then you like gurgle to Bachelorette. Yeah. 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 What was the first time you heard this song? Because I know you have a specific journey with the B-sides and the purchasing of the singles. It was a journey. (laughs) I was in the car and everything. (laughs) I'd love to hear the first time and what your thoughts were then. 
Yes. Well, I love the looseness of this. And again, it struck us as like a fun track. We were like, okay, this is different. This is different for sure. And I think this is one of the first moments, maybe the only moments where we had kind of like an impromptu moment in the studio that we felt privy to because, you know, she kind of breaks at the end and starts laughing. So it was kind of like, ooh, this feels intimate. Like we're participating in the recording session or whatever's going on. So I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I loved it from the first time I heard it as well. And it's in particular because she seemed to be having so much fun. And it kind of introduced the guys in a new way, you know? Just like they're in the studio together having fun and they're cool guys. Mm-hmm. Cool guys and a cool girl. Did you uh, find it interesting that she was playing Bachelorette with a band? Not solo? That's a good point. If anything was going to be solo, you'd think it would be Bachelorette, huh? Yeah. She's like, I'm going to Paris on my own. Just kidding. Tickets for three, please. Exactly. Yeah. And did you ever consider that this might be a Bjork cover when you looked at the single? I was just going to ask you that. Not necessarily that it would be a cover, but I do think it's funny that two such prominent female artists both had a song called Bachelorette come out in 1998. What was going on that year? I didn't realize that Bjork's came out in 98 as well. I think so. Or was it 97? I think it was 98. Either way, they were close. And where's PJ Harvey's Bachelorette? Yeah, good question. Who came out first? I don't know. But whoever it was, since Bjork and Tori admire each other and are aware of each other's work, do you think they were eyeing each other's papers and they were like, Bachelorette, I like the sound of that. That is a spectrum because they admire each other or at least they're aware of each other's work. Yeah. <laughs> Did I say aware of? I don't know. You could, yes. be, you could be both. You can be aware of and then come to admire it. <laughs> and you can be either or, which is the beauty of that statement. <laughs> a lovely, lukewarm sentiment. I'm looking up Bjork's Bachelorette on wikipedia and it says bachelorette is a song by bjork released as the second single from her 1997 album homogenic okay i was wrong you were close released on december 8th 1997 the song was originally written for a film by bernardo bertolucci but the project was withdrawn the lyrics for bachelorette were written by jean jean s-j-o-n a friend and collaborator of bjork Interesting. I can't be held responsible for my lack of knowledge because this isn't a Bjork podcast, but I had no idea that she hadn't written it. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't know that either. But she wrote the music. I guess so. Did you think it might be a cover when you first saw the track listing? Um, I might have been swept up in the Malie from the online fans. Bachelorette, oh, it must be a cover of the Bjork song. And I was like, oh, it must be. Mm. That's how I remember it. I remember it because I wasn't so necessarily into Bjork that I would have known it was a Bjork song. You know, I knew a little bit about her, but by homogenic already, I was kind of like pulling back from the Bjork train. I was stepping off the train. Mm -hmm. She'd sold out as far as you're concerned. Yes. Homogenic, homonormative. I know. I had a confrontation with my mom over that album. Really? Yes. (laughs) Why? Because she took me to the record store to buy it. And when I got back in the car, she like grabbed it and eyed it suspiciously. And she was like, homo, is this the kind of music you're buying now? And I was like, yes. (laughs) I think everybody was a little bit more naive in the 90s. Were they? I think so. I can't imagine Gaylene saying that today. That is like a scientific term. Right, mom. Yes, I'm buying science music. Stop being so anti-science and anti-gay. God, what else can you be against? And I remember having to rely on the internet to tell me that it wasn't a Bjork cover, although it does say written by Tori Amos. Mm, Remember when you could rely on the internet for things like that? Now everything's a lie. That was a good month. (laughs) (laughs) December 97 or May 98. I don't know. Right, exactly. April, May 98. That was the only time. That was the last time. (laughs) Other thoughts on this song? Do we think totally in the moment? 
It's interesting because she seems to have lyrics planned out, right? And we'll talk about that in a little line by line, obviously, that she's messing up as she goes, as opposed to, you know, like Samurai, when she says, I just get the Samurai book out and just read words. Yeah. I, for some reason, feel like she's a lot, like the lyric sheet had somehow floated down to the ground, like she accidentally dropped it in the middle of the recording and just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like it is a little too structured to be so, like an entire improv, but maybe it was. Maybe it was them just jamming. Mm-hmm. Is that how you feel? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe they did it a couple times and this is the version that we got and it was sort of the form was changing or they were sort of, you know, making it a little more concrete because there is a structure to it, which doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't totally improvised, but it makes it even more impressive if it is. And I think they're all capable of doing that. But, you know, there's like the breaks with like the drumstick clacking that Matt Chamberlain does. It just seems so, I don't know. It seems almost too perfect to be improvised. So I'm not sure. But we have a quote. Do you remember at one point when she's talking about the choir girl sessions and she'd never played with a live drummer like this before? And she says she just told Matt or Matt decided to just like bring everything, like bring all your stuff Mm -hmm. and like we'll figure out how to use it or we'll just like experiment and see what happens. This is one of the songs that I think of when I hear that quote because there's basically like a gong, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot going on in this song. You like had a big trunk full stuff and she was like "Ooh, a gong bang that gong what can we do with this i know bachelorette do you think he had to get a second seat for his gong maybe on the plane you mean yeah like do you think uh-huh. southwest airlines from lax to cornwall no yeah. <laughs> direct flight wow do you think they're letting him uh, take the gong unchecked probably not i think he had to get a seat for it he put the seatbelt around it played it in the middle during turbulence it gongs yeah <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see Matt Chamberlain on a plane sitting next to his gong. Mm-hmm. Just going to Cornwall. Would I get the window seat or the aisle? Put the gong in the window seat. I would. The gong needs to, ha- yeah, you need, the gong needs to reflect the world. Mm-hmm. And it would be so annoying if every time you had to go to the bathroom, you had to climb over a gong. <laughs> That's why. Well, on that note, should we announce who our guests are today? Yes. Let's announce. You ready for the gong? Mm-hmm. Will you do the gong? It's a gong show. Yes. Well, today we have not one, but two super fans of the song Bachelorette. We have returning contributor Cecily Landafield, and we have Jessica Wren Butler, a researcher from London. Mm, does she research Bachelorettehood? I hope so. I'm going to find out. All right. I feel like before they come on, we should build a Bachelorette pop quiz, and then we'll quiz them each separately and see who wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how do you think they're going to get out of the limo tonight on The Bachelorette? Maybe we can give them a rose. We should. Will you accept this rose? <laughs> At the end of their interview, we have to ask them. I guess they give us a rose, though, if they're the Bachelorette. I don't know. I've never seen it. I'm only doing a vague interpretation of what I think the plot is. I don't know. You're doing a pretty good job for someone who's never seen it. You were right there with the rose. We should give them a rose and, like, a gardener's trowel and, like, some gloves so that they can plant a rose bush. Isn't okay. that what the show is? Okay. Now you're, I think you're getting into beekeeper territory now. A but... single girl planting roses. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. Yes, it's a gardening relationship show. Yeah, it's a hot girl summer because of how hot outside it is because the sun is beating down. Did we just create a new reality show format? I think we did for HGTV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bachelorette Gardeners. Get dirty. We also have a very exciting segment later. We've invited the world's most eligible bachelor onto the show for a rousing rendition of the dating game. I can't imagine who is this eligible bachelor. We're not allowed to say, but you'll see in the third act. Oh my gosh, we're just like Tori. We're not allowed to say on our own show. Our favorite songs never make the albums (laughs) that we produce. (laughs) I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> Should we say hello to our Patreon supporters? Oh, uh, patronize me. Uh, <laughs> patronize yourself. I love it when you patronize me. <laughs> So first, we'd like to say thank you to everyone. We would like to thank everyone who is a new patron, an old patron, former patron, current patron. We have been off the grid for just a minute, and we really appreciate all the support that you continue to throw our way. So thank you so much. And here is a list of our newest members of our patron family. You ready? You ready, David? I'm ready. You got your thinking cap on? Mm-hmm. I'm shadowboxing. Good luck, David. Good luck, me. First, we'd like to say hello to new patron, Samantha Lang. Such a Lang Strang Wang, a watch me, you. Oh, you came out strong, David. <laughs> Next, we'd like to say hello to new patron, Azulia Zablu. 16 Shades of Azulia Zablu. Lady in Zablu. <laughs> hello to Kevin Larkin Anjoli. Enchanté. Give me eight, a give me Kevin. Oh my God. <laughs> Is your place with Kevin worth giving up these kisses? Oh, <laughs> Yes, it is. Thanks, Kevin. Happy to see you. Hello to new patron Mark with a C, who I can't reveal anything about this person because I don't know their last name, but I will reveal that their email address is related to Twin Peaks. It's not at martianengineering.com. <laughs> I wish, David. I wish. 658. Are you sure where our Mark is? Here. On Patreon. On Patreon. Hello to new patron David Tosevsky. We love David. David sent us a ton of pictures from the Legs and Boots era. Thank you, David. David, I know there's a frog on my Tosevsky. Hello to new patron Jack Deuce, whose donation came in, oh, as a British pound. Hello. Hello. Bloody hello. These things you deuce, I never asked you how. <laughs> I hope we're pronouncing that right, Jack. Please let us know. If we didn't, we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Get back, Jack. We'll do it again. Ooh, I set you up for that and I didn't even notice. I know. Hello to new patron Josh Valley. Josh Valley all dressed in green. Josh Valley all dressed in green. Just ripe for the Patreon. Just ripe for the Patreon. <laughs> Hello to new patron Heather Broche White. I hope I pronounced that correctly, Heather. Hand me my Heather. If I didn't, hand me my Heather. Hand me my Heather. And finally, a big hello to our most recent patron, Kyle Harbeck. Ooh. Hello. Ooh, hello. We're in Lover's Communion, 500 Kyles. I wonder if that should be a tier on Patreon. Lover's Communion? Lover's Communion. Yeah. Hmm, you've qualified for Lover's Communion. Do this in Ooh. remembrance of us. Again, thank you to everybody, new patron, former patron, current patron, everybody who's supported us along the way. Thank you so much. The rest of this year, we hope to make it a killer year. We will finish these B-sides by the end of the year, and we also hope to finish the Little Earthquakes B-sides by the end of the year. Lofty goal? We'll see. The rest of this year will be represented by two fire emojis. Two fire emojis. And an hourglass. Just like time. Never any time. I don't have time to study. I'll never get into Stanford. <laughs> There's never enough time. I'm so excited. <laughs> so... Nope, not scared. Just excited for tour. Allegedly. 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 Mm -hmm. By the time you hear this, nothing may have changed. <laughs> and also, we'd like to say thank you so much to Shay Stymac, who is our archivist, our historian, our librarianistress. Thanks, Shay. She keeps it tasty and chasty. Bat Schlerette. You can turn dust into Shane Shay Payne. Pain. You even remembered his shame. Bat Schlerette. That's what I think. Bat Schlerette. You got it. Thanks, Shay. Thanks, Shay. Since we don't have any covers of Bachelorette, we're going to just throw it to Bjork with her pre-cover of Tori Amos' Bachelorette with different lyrics by Sean. <laughs> Bachelorette. 
And Tori, uh, you leave for Europe next week, is that right? I think 10 days. Ten After days. L.A., we're, doing, um, we're in the studio doing B-sides for Britain for the next single. Okay. I'm always trying to catch up. I'm behind on my B-sides. So. Um, but you will be playing some European festivals that feature multiple artists as you start to tour this new album. But so far, you've declined invitations to participate in the Lilith Fair tour. Do you think some people kind of expect you to take part in Lilith and are surprised that so far you haven't? Well, I don't know what people think. I mean, Sarah is a wonderful acquaintance, and I have a lot of time for her on every level. I think she's come up with um, a creative idea. It's making a lot of people happy. It's giving a lot of artists a chance that wouldn't be able to really do their own show, not on the level that she's doing it. But I'm really into doing my own show. Um, the festivals in Europe are different because when you do Glastonbury, that is, that's sort of like doing Woodstock, you know, every year. It's, it's a traditional thing that's been going on for years and years and years and years. And um, it felt right for me to do it. The mixture of men and women interests me. I think I think Lilith Fair, you know, um, an exciting choice this year would have been to have men on the Lilith Fair. That's that's really to me uh, a yummy kind of idea. Um, so I'm not really I'm not really bothered about what people think. Sarah knows that I'll have a drink with her any day of the week. But I really do run my own show. And we pick the sound company, we pick the light company, we um, we pick the catering company, and every part of it makes the show. It really does me in that Tori Amos doesn't list the players on this song in the CD single liner notes because we have to assume it's Matt Chamberlain on drums, right? What if it isn't? What exactly? We'll never truly know. Oh my God. Not only that, but I would love to see a breakdown of what people are actually playing, you know? Yeah, like the exact instruments for sure. Yes. It's yes. like now here where it's interesting, we don't get it, but she always takes the time to put piano and vocal, Tori Amos, like we couldn't figure it out. Who's playing the piano on this one? Hmm. Yeah, we have to assume it's Matt Chamberlain. Who knows who else is in that room? I is know. It Justin Meldel Johnson on bass? Is it Steve Caton on guitar later? What if they did some team building exercise where they decided to switch instruments and just play and see what happened? What if it's actually Matt on piano and that's why she's freaking out because she's on drums and she can't get it right? That's I know. Where she loses the words. What if Tori's on drums like Karen Carpenter? That would be amazing. She would be so pleased with herself with a little drumstick clack. She's like, she would. That's clack, why. That's clack. why that's there. Yeah. Yes. For the next number, I shall be moving to the drums. <laughs> I think it'd be amazing. She should replicate it live. Can you imagine if that's what Tori's been doing with her quarantine time? It's been like four <laughs> years since the last tour, and suddenly she's a drummer. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so amused by that, but I am. At the beginning of the next tour, you hear the famous Precious Things riff to open up the show, and the curtain parts, and she's already there on drums. Oh my god. That would be amazing. Also amazing if she went back to 96 and opened with Beauty Queen, but instead of just that G, it was thonk on the drum <laughs> long pause thonk missed opportunities <laughs> yeah well it could still happen missed opportunity which is also my drag name missed opportunity Ooh. or topo chica what do you think topo chica yeah for topo chico seltzer water <laughs> it's very specific uh-huh i like it it sounds exotic 
Bachelorette appears on Spark CD single released in the UK April 1998 and it appears on the Spark CD maxi single that was released in the United States on June 9th 1998 and those are the only places it appears until 2006 when it's released as the B-side edition on a piano the B-side version and then we never hear from Bachelorette again never she flew to paris and never came back come back girl she eloped <laughs> no she did not elope you don't think so single for no she's single forever she's a confirmed bachelorette for life yeah she was born a bachelorette and will die a bachelorette mm. are you a mm-hmm. confirmed bachelorette yeah well i'm not catholic so i've never been confirmed oh. i've never been confirmed <laughs> anything but I was born a bachelorette, that's for sure. That'd be weird otherwise. Yes, it sure would. I guess, it, I mean, some kids are already promised in marriage I was going to gonna say, you could be betrothed or promised to someone. Yeah, that's a relic of another time. Uh-huh. We should bring that back. No, maybe not. <laughs> there are no differences between this version on the Spark Singles and the version on a piano. No, we're not going to fall for that again, purple people. Right, exactly. So one song, one version. That's how we like to keep it. But it also appears on 90s pop hits. There's a CD called 90s Pop Hits by various artists. And there's amazing songs such as Been Caught Stealin' by Jane's Addiction, Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohn, Freak Like Me by Adina Howard, It's Been One Week by The Bare Naked Ladies. One of my least favorite songs ever, by the way. Ever. Groove is in the Heart by Delight, You Wanna Know by Alanis Morissette, and Bachelorette by Tor Amos. Why did they choose what? that one? It makes no sense to me. I cannot believe that. This is the first I'm hearing of it, and I feel like something went horribly awry there. Yeah, they meant to put Spark on there, but they got mixed up when they were making their mixtape. I do. I think they wanted Spark or they wanted Bjork's Bachelorette instead, because this doesn't make any oh, sense. Oh, it doesn't make any sense, right? No. Don't Let Go by En Vogue. Oh my God, does your dad have this compilation? He loves En Vogue. Maybe he does. If not, I should get it for him for Christmas. You should. I'll begin his iTunes library this way. Yeah, it has to be a mistake of some kind, especially because it's like a retrospective of the 90s released in 2018. We need to find the person who became a Tory fan because they got this compilation. Had never heard Tory before and they were like, yeah, this is sick. If you had never heard Tory before and you only heard Bachelorette, would you be a Tory fan today? If you only, like the first thing you ever heard was Bachelorette. Probably. Would you? This one song would have made you go out and seek the catalog? Maybe. I think so, too. I liked this song a lot. I don't know if it would make me seek the catalog, but it would encourage me to explore who she was. If you look at the Boys for Paley B-sides, they're all sort of similar in in length, you know, and what she's trying to do there. And then we get to these from the Choir Girl Hotel B-sides, and they're all really great songs, but they all sound very different. Like, you're not going to confuse Cooling with Bachelorette or Do It Again. Well, some people probably would, those people who claim that all Tory songs sound alike. And those people who make up the 90s pop hits, various artists, anthem, albums. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is Bjork, right? Right. Yeah, put it on. Yeah, this was a huge hit, I believe. The idea that Bjork's Bachelorette was a huge hit is also hilarious, though. Like, this dramatic orchestral song with lyrics like, I'm a fountain of blood. No, it wasn't a huge hit, but, you know, it was a single. And I agree with you that people who say Tori Amos' songs all sound alike aren't listening hard enough. No, or at all. Or at all, yeah, clearly they don't. Even if you get two ballads, like Cooling and Throw in Beulah Land, they all sound very different to me. Mm-hmm. Where does this song rank in your Choir Girl B-Sides 
in my list. choir girl b-sides that's a toughie okay let's decide what's on that list we've got purple people have yourself a merry little christmas bachelorette cooling do it again never seen blue and beulah land all seven of those b-sides what about merman where does oh and merman that's a pre b-side i guess yeah pre-side I love a pre-side. We don't have enough of them. Siren, is that a pre-side? Oh, no, that's a soundtrack song. Oh, gosh. But we can add it in there. No, because it complicates matters. We'll add Merman, but not Siren. Okay. So of those eight tracks, where does this live for you? Number one is the top. Number eight is the bottom. Okay. I think I would put Never Seen Blue at the bottom. I think Bachelorette is probably like three or four. Ooh, all right. Yeah, I would say in the middle. Okay, yeah. okay, she's coming up. Yeah, what about you? I would probably put Purple People first, Do It Again second, and Bachelorette third. Mm. Yeah, I'm comfortable putting Bachelorette third. We want you to be comfortable. Thank you. Then turn that air on. I know, right? I hate a hot room. Me too. I love a hot track, though. Well, I'm glad that we're putting this high on our list, both of us. Mm-hmm. You know, it is fun. It's like super fun. It is. She's like, it's so fun. I'm never going to play it live until 2001. Should we get into the quotes? We have quotes? We do have quotes. Okay. Shall we start with this quote from Popular One magazine, Spain's original music magazine we sure should and i really admire popular one magazine's confidence popular one Uh i am looking for a man says tori i am looking for a man who respects me and sees me as i am as a powerful and creative woman within this damned patriarchal world plenty of men have been important in my life they meant everything to me they were almost everything lovers and friends i used to call them mentors because they were very powerful men who were like scissors Hmm. What do you suppose she means by that? What does she mean by, yeah, they were very powerful men who were like scissors. They cut, they cut right to the good stuff. Maybe they cut like right through her. Yeah. It could be something lost in the translation. It is a Spanish magazine. Possibly. I love that Tori, having gone through what she just went through and making this album, seems to have gotten very clear on what she wanted in a relationship. And I think that's key for anyone. If you're looking for love and a good partnership, you have to be clear on what you want and deserve. And I think Tori got to that place, which is what enabled her to end up with Mark. Well said, David. Can I also say... (laughs) What? Since I'm speaking so well, Well, can I also Yes, if you liked that one, how about this? (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to say, I was actually listening to an old episode and talking about Tori with my boyfriend. And on the episode we were listening to, I said something about how Tori doesn't get enough credit for the way she talked about things that we kind of take for granted now or that are part of a larger conversation. But at the time, no one was talking about smashing the patriarchy. And he really took exception to that. And I was like, okay, but I really meant to say in popular music specifically, this wasn't the type of subject matter that people were tackling. And I do think that is true, except for maybe Madonna. Save it for the wrap up. That's what I said. I was like, fine, we'll address it on the wrap up. But I wasn't, and I don't ever mean to imply that Tori invented the concept of smashing the patriarchy. I mean to imply that. That's what I believe. Okay. Well, as a musician in particular, I do think she was way ahead of the curve. She invented the curve. She invented the curve. She curved it. She She'd paved even, that curve. She'd even curve her body to fit our patriarchal bow. That's true. Anyway. This is from Ur, which is a Dutch magazine, September 18th, 1998, the day I was born and the year I was born. Mm-hmm. 
Tori says, it's just how you look at marriage. You can look at it like the sitcoms on TV show it, but you can also see it like ancient mythology, a contract with another soul. Well, my idea of marriage is different from the stuff I saw on American television. Many women turn into some kind of a non-person after they're married, as if they're cut out of some housewife's magazine. I see marriage as an exciting and dangerous adventure. It is like I've entered into another solar system. Emotionally, I'm on a journey in space. What shall I find here? I'm now more than ever fascinated by the dark side of the human spirit. I want to look at what is hidden. Something occurred to me too is that she's writing the song Bachelorette while she's not a bachelorette and while she is in fact either getting married if they're recording this in August, September or gotten married if they're recording it in February. Mm. So it's interesting that this song comes out while she's about to take this new journey in life. I know and she's also prepping her ship to blast off to Venus and we're not even there yet. She's so obsessed with space. She's like entering another solar system. Emotionally I'm on Mm -hmm. a journey in space. It's like no you're not. You're in the choir girl hotel. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've discuss that she never thought she would get married so that must be like do you think she's kissing the bachelorette goodbye with this song or like saluting the bachelorette her I actually goodbye? do yes i do that's interesting mm-hmm. she's having this really is her own bachelorette party her yeah. musical bachelorette party also do you think this is the conversation she had when mark proposed he like got down on his knee and she was like well we're gonna look at this like ancient mythology and he was like mm, <laughs> i retract my proposal <laughs> that's more than i bargained for <laughs> I like this song as an idea of like Tori kissing that single life goodbye, you know, and if this song is an accurate representation of who she was as a single girl, she was wild. Well, we knew that. And it's funny that you say that because I was just going to say, do you think this is kind of the flip side of the coin to hotel or kind of a sister song? Oh, for sure. I've always thought this was a sister song to hotel. Good point. Mm -hmm. Good point. There could even be a trilogy of Bachelorette, Jackie Strength and Hotel. What if they were all born together? Maybe they're triplets. You know, we talked about this in a previous episode somewhere along the way, but those moments that we'll never get, which are like your thoughts or back that ass up intro to Mary's of the Sea, like these things that you'll never get. I wonder if in that way, Bachelorette was an intro to something else. It just went on so long that they were able to make it its own B-side. Yeah, maybe. Or, you know, sometimes I picture we we had thoughts kind of coming out of the frustration of not being able to get a take of Girl. I wonder if moments like this happen where they're trying to get a hotel or something and they just need to take a break. Yeah, let's just play, guys. Just play. Play Tori. Yeah, play Tori. (laughs) Yeah, play Tori. Great. I love this idea of them jamming before recording hotel and out came Bachelorette. Mm Mm-hmm. But to address what you said earlier that you think maybe, and I, until this very second, would have agreed with you, like maybe there were a few different takes of it because it does feel really structured. If there are three takes of Bachelorette, which one is this? Speculating that there are three full takes of Bachelorette out there. They played it three times. This is number two? Yeah. Yeah. Like they got a better take later where she remembered all the words, but this one showed much more fun. Yes. But it sort of lost its spirit Yeah, in the pursuit of perfection. She chose spirit over perfection. Mm -hmm. I love it. Why don't you read this from Esquire magazine, October 1999. I think the feminist movement is dead, but where it's going now, it's about beings claiming the yin to get very Eastern for five seconds. Do you think strong women tend to take on male attributes? What a question. That's a brazen question. Is it? Strong women tend to take on male attributes. He means masculine attributes or... or Oh, you're right. Yeah. Dominant attributes, I think. Mm. But male attributes. Do you think strong women tend to take on male attributes? Do you think they grow penises? Do you think powerful 
women are manly. Should just ask that. Uh-huh. A lot of women do take on the patriarchy, which is really different from the feminine. But a lot of men can be really in touch with that feminine side, just really open. She loves a pivot. That was really good. Mm. I was really skilled, Tori Amos. But openness isn't solely a feminine quality. It's just that more women exhibit it than men. Yeah, I think some of these terms will shift. The word of feminism will shift because of its associations. It needs to change because it's turning people off. Feminist still sounds like some hairy-chinned woman wearing dungarees. This is an Esquire. Mm. Feminist still sounds like some hairy-chinned woman wearing dungarees. Oh, fuck, you're wearing them. Sorry. Yeah. This is such an awkward interview. Yeah, but can you take over the corporation in a flowered dress? Now it's not so much about image having to act like a man to take over the corporation. A lot of women still have taken on masculine roles. Well, go back to the animal kingdom and the female lions are the ones who hunt for the meat. No boyfriend I've had would not want to make love to me because I'd lost my job. It's scary for men, though. If a man lost his job, that would turn some women off. But you're not that kind of woman. Yeah, but I'm a hunter. I have meat. I can feed my tribe. Oh my god, she's stealing from Bjork again. She's a hunter. This is where she wrote, I bring home the bacon. Boys and night of hunters. <laughs> Wait, I'm getting a transmission. Yes, hang on. Let me I get a to, pen. I need to cut this interview short. Beep, 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 beep. In coming bachelorette this is a weird interview it sure is i like that he says or the interviewer says feminist still sounds like some hairy chin woman wearing dungarees like is that what we all thought of when we heard the word feminism only in the 90s like people obviously felt free to say whatever they wanted Ugh. yeah we need a sound clip for this show and like a mini section called only in the 90s where we read <laughs> only things the that 90s. only would have happened in the 90s or questions <laughs> that only would have been asked in the 90s right where she says my parents have problems with gays but they gotta just face it one of their nieces or nephews is gonna be one yes and can the sound cue for the segment just be like the piano riff from baby one more time dun 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 only in the 90s hairy chinned woman but can we say as we often do and it's worth saying every time tori was way ahead of her time and she doesn't get any credit for it no one else was talking about smashing the patriarchy in the 90s and now it's all over the place you're right and here i want to go back to this part of the article where the interviewer asks her do you think strong women tend to take on male attributes and he means it it seems the question is phrased like does a strong woman tend to take on masculine attributes such as being assertive being aggressive cussing you know like being bossy seen as bossy things like that things that are typically considered male attributes that's how i i'm reading the question but she turns that question to a lot of women do take on the patriarchy mm-hmm. which is interesting an interesting answer and no you're right no one was talking about it that way oh love her <laughs> and that's something that happens not only in the 90s is my love for tori <laughs> decades long decades strong it transcends time and space it'll shock no one to find out that we have no quotes specifically addressing bachelorette the song the only person that seemed to distress really is shay <laughs> Shay's like, we don't have enough quotes. Oh. But it doesn't surprise me because it's a B-side. It seems like a fun moment in the studio that maybe wasn't there was not that much thought put into it. And therefore, it might be one of those songs, except for how often she's played it. It might be one of those songs where she would be like, I don't have a song called Bachelorette. But you know. I know. If only she'd done some promo for that compilation. <laughs> for if the 90s was, pop yeah, hits compilation. she was at a round table with like Delight and En Vogue and she had to talk about Bachelorette. Yes. Three hot redheads, one from En Vogue, one from Delight and Tori. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm into it. Let's not forget Jennifer Love Hewitt's also on that record. She I would never forget that. No Ordinary Love is the name of her song. And this it's not the Chardet is... version. <laughs> 
what should we do then if not quote Tori? Maybe we should go to the source, the text. Oh, the text, the lines. Mm-hmm. Let's do the line by line. Okay. So for this line by line, we are using the lyrics as officially printed in her lyrics book that came out in 2001. We're not filling in any of the blanks. We're only discussing them as she transcribed them later. We're not doing any of the hum, hi hums, none of that stuff. <laughs> we can assume that that's where she lost the words. We might yai to die though. Yeah. Oh yeah. We always got to discuss the yai die dies. Bachelorette. Bachelorette. To me, this is like Daisy Dead Pedals. You know, this is a specific song about a specific person. And she sets up that character in the first word. Mm. Daisy Dead Pedals, you're a bachelorette. <laughs> she's in her rooftop face. So we know who she's singing about and who she's singing to. But in that case, I'm not convinced that Daisy Dead Pedals is Tori, but I definitely think the bachelorette is. Agreed. Although I do think Daisy Dead Pedals is Tori too. You but do? I definitely... Yeah, I think that there's, especially like you're, she's in her phone booth phase, like Tori feeling broke or, I mean, I don't know. We'll get there then. Okay, I'm sorry. Now this is going into an interesting place and maybe you're right. And maybe these songs are connected too. Because when I think of in her phone booth phase, I think of Superman. <laughs> you know, oh, interesting. when he changes into Superman. And when I hear these first lines of Bachelorette, I always think of the Bachelorette as this kind of superhero. Like off gallivanting, really? having these adventures. She's climbing on rooftops like Spider-Man man and she can turn dust into champagne so it's like yeah maybe she is also Daisy Ted Petals and she has all these powers I don't know that's funny because I can associate the two songs I can find like common themes or motifs that I see in two, in two songs but I don't think superpowers for example I think like you said phone booth phase I don't look at it as like a superhero thing I look at it as she's broke she can't afford her own phone so she's like in this kind of like wishy-washy period in her life or this mm-hmm. floundering period period in her life and that's where i feel bachelorette is also sort of i mean except for with a bit of a more of a free spirit obviously well since we're redoing the under the pink season we can discuss that when we get to daisy dead pedals because i'm super curious about that and we'll have to remember that okay can't wait don't forget because if people listen to this and then go back to daisy dead pedals and try to find it and we don't do it we'll be humiliated seriously never been so embarrassed today you come around climb on rooftops and you bachelorette okay something i love about this song that's laid bare in the very first line bachelorette is a noun oh right? no i was gonna say it too <laughs> yeah bachelorette is a noun it's a it's a person place or thing it's a very specific person and then she verbifies it she turns it into a verb at oh, the end and she verbifies it uh-huh it's a clear moment in her catalog of a word being both noun and verb yeah. the only time as such in her entire catalog in my opinion so bachelorette you climb on rooftops and you bachelorette. Like, that's what you're doing. You're bacheloretting. You're right. In this case, it is for sure both a noun and a verb. Again, the only time in her entire catalog for a word to be both things. Yeah. Would you agree? A, yeah, I think so. What do you think about icicle? Well, only because Val called it icicling yeah, is why you think it's I a know. verb. Yeah. <laughs> you come around Climbing on rooftops to me says something about her free spirit, kind of like you said, superhero powers, but also like she just goes on these wild adventures. Yes. Like the, the helicopters take off from the rooftop landing pad and that's where she's at. Yes. Or that she's been up all night and she's like on a balcony looking oh. out over the city, watching the sunrise. Oh, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can turn dust into champagne. You can turn dust into champagne. To me, I hear that as 
you always have champagne in your hand. Everything, it's a, life's a big party. You can turn anything into champagne. Like, mm -hmm. poof, you got champagne. And you know what this also makes me think of? <laughs> As of late, I don't know why Facebook is targeting me with ads for a book called Being Single is Your Superpower. <laughs> and it's like a breakup repair book. Like that you're supposed to use when you've been broken up with or when you're in between relationships. And it's about like reveling in your singlehood and all the gifts that that can bring to you and the freedom that you might have with it as opposed to, you know, sort of mourning a relationship or wishing you were being in one. So I kind of feel like that's happening a little bit too. Mm. And we go back to the idea of superpowers. And this at this point in her life, being a bachelorette is like a superpower. She's a strong, independent woman. I feel like we've talked about that before because if you could see the look on my face of distaste, that title really grates on me. And I've talked about it with someone. If it not wasn't with me. You, then I don't know who. It wasn't you? No. I don't know who it could be. Being single is your superpower to me is the worst title of all time. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a good <laughs> title, but I keep seeing it. Horrifying. What don't you like about it? Being single is not a superpower. Like, a superpower is like invisibility or something. You, It's a superpower. Like, it's, it's a comic world that I'm coming from. Come on. Okay. <laughs> People can be single or not be single. Anyone can be single and not mm. single. So, therefore, it can't be a superpower. A superpower is like an invisibility cloak or you can fly or you can walk through walls that's a superpower okay fair enough Ugh. or you can turn dust into champagne that's also a superpower but do you think if you were surrounded by a lot of people in like unhappy loveless marriages and you were single you might sort of feel like it is a superpower well i haven't felt like it was a superpower though but i'm like during pandemics a great time not to have kids i know right this is a great choice i made mm -hmm. <laughs> i wouldn't call it a superpower though it's just that word that's kind of sticking in my craw but... all right get it out of there if you could turn dust into anything at any time, what would you turn dust into? Fries. French fries? Probably. <laughs> White claws. Or Coke Zero. That's good for you. How do you imagine this power works, though? Is it like a speck of dust, or do you have to accumulate like a pile before you can turn it into a white claw? I'm glad that you asked that, because I actually look at dust as nothing. Like, dust means, to me, in this line, it means nothing. You can turn nothing into champagne, as opposed to, like, actual literal dust, like, like that. But, like, out of nowhere, you have champagne. Out of, mm. But it's also paired with this next line. You can turn dust into champagne, you even remembered his name because to me you can do something as magical as like poof and then you've got champagne everywhere you can just make anything into champagne and fun and excess she says you even remembered his name like that's the real superpower because there's so many men that you go through to turn dust into champagne is nothing but to even remember his name that's she's good she's good she's good she's good she even remembered his name mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. that's how i've always looked at that line because there's been disputes on that line until the book came out do you remember no the alternate lyric that people insisted and probably are screaming at us right now we don't even know it we're just sitting here oblivious drinking our champagne they're screaming at us saying you even dream about his name Do no you remember when there was, i've like, never heard yeah. that in my life that's yes, so funny there was that this is one of those moments where it's so clearly to me remembered exactly me too i was always team remembered but there are I mean, I'm, I'm accessing moments in the Dent forum before the lyrics book came out, obviously, when people were fighting about it. You even dream about his name. I'm like, no, it's remember his name because that's the real superpower. Mm. 
you know? It's hard to remember names when you've when you got a long list of, uh, when you got a thick black book. It is. Do you think Tori has like a weird process, kind of like a mnemonic learning device that she uses at meet and greets to remember people's names? Kind of like um, Anna Ferris in House Bunny, when she does like, Natalie. That's how I remember names. I say it in a weird voice. She's like, Ephraim. <laughs> Actually, she knows me as Eve. I wish she'd know me as Ephraim. I've always wanted her to know me as Ephraim, but she knows me as re- Eve. And you can probably retrain her. I could, but you know, I'm like just grateful. Like here I am bitching, but I'm so grateful she even knows my name. Mm-hmm. But I always feel like I'm starting fresh every tour. Like I don't want to assume she remembers me every tour. Yeah. You know? You're like a little plastic castle and she's a goldfish. Yeah. There, I feel like there's a handful of people who she remembers tour to tour to tour to tour, like the names and how mm-hmm. to spell them and who, the, you know, but then like I feel I'm in that category. Well, she'll, she'll know my name by the end of the tour mm-hmm. do you ever have a moment where you approach tori and she's like hey you long time no yes. see <laughs> hey you <laughs> gender nectar <laughs> she's no longer a bachelorette and that makes sense then why she can't remember our names mm. do you think that's what the beginning of lust means she's like struggling to remember someone's name and she's like hey you <laughs> gender nectar uh-huh. <laughs> i just picture you as a gender nectar you must have been a gender nectar in another life that is exactly what she would say yeah <laughs> That's why she needs her security to whisper in her ear like she's Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada. It's like, yes, this is Eve. He hosts the podcast, Drive All Night. And she's yeah, like, exactly. Eve, marvelous Eve, to see Eve, darling. You. I loved your latest episode. What uh-huh. was it? Sugar. Sugar, no, right. Well, yes. Honestly, I'm willing to take that role because I know I can I can retain names and like cities of people through Never Shut Up predominantly, like getting to know people when they were co-hosting. I feel like I know a lot of people yeah and can remember their names and locations so let's expand our offerings we can offer that service we also want to be consulted for future releases of catalog work because there's always some sort of oversight or error that we would have been able to catch so mm-hmm. i agree bachelorette the braves you painted pink for bachelorettes this was another disputed lyric, and unfortunately, I stand on the side of the dispute as it was lost when the lyric book was printed. The dispute was the graves are painted pink for bachelorettes. Hmm. And I always took that as like, you know, in honor of our bachelorettes, we paint our graves pink when they die, when they pass away. Their graves are painted pink. But I don't understand the braves you painted pink. Do you? No, other than kind of maybe it's sort of For me, I get a moment of taking something that's kind of aggressive and masculine and giving it like a feminine makeover. Oh, you're talking about like an Indian brave? Yeah. Because braves are considered masculine and she just swipes them over with, are you looking like a roller of pink paint? Yeah, kind of. Or even just like a strip down the face. Yeah. Yeah. Whoosh. That's cute. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in now canceled Pepe Le Pew, when the cat would get painted with a stripe down its back and he would think it was a skunk and fall in love with it. <laughs> mm. I feel like you're right in some regard that the Braves represent the men, right? The brave men who <laughs> joined you. The brave men who contributed to your bachelorettism. Mm-hmm. The men who put up with her. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. All the men, all the Braves. Maybe in this moment, this is Tori saying like, I know I'm a little extra. I can be a lot. Yeah, you're right. And also, like, don't we call our the brave men of the army? I feel like these are soldiers at war. Soldiers? Soldiers. The braves. Mm-hmm. And she painted them pink. Like, she... And, and also, like, h- how we would dance. Oh, how we would dance. Like, oh, the braves you painted pink. Mm. Oh, how many men you've been with. Mm. The braves you painted pink. That's what I think. 
I like it. Tori's talked about herself as being sort of experienced. Babe. And any good bachelorette has a list. She's got a list. Mm-hmm. You tried to show him that he can, but you can never rush a man. You tried to show him that he can, but you can never rush a man. Mm. I love this because it kind of takes me back to the quote we read where she's talking about, you know, the sitcom version of a marriage. Um, and I feel like this is almost, this line is almost from like a manual on like how to catch a man, ladies. Yeah. It's like, let, <laughs> yeah. let him come to you. You must never rush him. Let him think it's his idea. Put on your apron and have fresh cookies baking when he comes home. Try to show him that he can. Mm-hmm. You can never rush that man. You must never rush him. Must never rush him. Give him time from work to decompress when he gets home. <laughs> right. Have a cocktail ready. Yes. You know, I have a book called The Girl's Guide to Good Homemaking. It's somewhere here. I can't find it right this second. But um, I wanted to write a play about it because it was wild. It's wild. And it's something yeah. from the like the 50s? It's from the 50s, okay. yeah. Okay. Oh, man. I want that. You would want it and you would do it is what I fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would read it and then be like, okay, I'm taking this on board. Is that what you're yeah, saying? I, yeah, that's what I think. <laughs> okay. I, th- I think you would read it unironically and uh-huh. like, oh, I must vacuum every day at two. Is this one of the many, many ways in which I'm problematic? Like I would get a book about outdated gender roles in the 50s and then take it seriously and not ironically and start right. applying it to my life. Uh-huh. Well, I feel like feminism, true feminism should allow you to be who you want to be. And if you want to be the type of woman who keeps a kerchief in her belt to dab her brow as she's vacuuming in heels, go for it. And mm. I'm not going to say a word about it. I feel like you were trying to like shame me a little bit, but I'm not going to take it. I want to be a nothing but a Halloween housewife and I don't care who knows it. What does that mean? I just want to like make cookies, keep the house and like celebrate Halloween all the time. Decorate for Halloween. I want to be a Halloween housewife. Yeah, I, there's absolutely no shame in that. I was not trying to shame you. Okay. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> God. You must remember you're a you must remember you're a car girl. Mm. What does that mean? You're a car girl. I think Tori on occasion has compared herself to a car. She keeps on driving, but more often than that, she said, you have to know when you're a classic car. Mm-hmm. 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 I love that idea. She commands respect, but she's got a big engine under that hood. Don't make me pull it back. And I also like the idea that you're on a journey, like you have somewhere you're going, mm-hmm. which aligns with you're a star girl and you are at the door. Like you're ready to take to the sky, kind of, you know, you, yeah. you can't be tied down. Mm-hmm. Or if she's at the door of marriage, let's say, I feel like she's also reminding herself like this won't change you in any kind of negative way. Like you'll still be who you are. You're a car girl. You're a star girl. You got your own power. Do we agree that you're a car girl is not like you're interested in cars? You're a car girl. You're a car girl. She's a horse girl. <laughs> yeah, like I'm a bike girl. <laughs> no, I don't think that's what it means. She's like okay, an auto, I agree. She's at auto shows. I know. I just want to explore every avenue. Okay. You must remember you're a car girl, you're a star girl. It's interesting because later she goes on to write Cars and Guitars, and that's clearly a song about her relationship with her husband. And so I think that she's relating herself as in that song i think she's the car and he's the guitar and it's right or is he interested in only the cars and the guitars either way the car metaphor really flourishes there so therefore if we track it back here i'm wondering if what you said earlier about you have to know when you're a classic car i wonder if she's telling the bachelorette or if she's telling herself as the bachelorette that that's like the best thing you can be or or is she saying, like, you have to remember, you're worthy of all the attention that a man can give. You're a car girl. 
You know what I'm saying? I do. I think Tori has often referenced cars or compared herself to a car. Tori feels the need for speed, I guess, whether by horse or by automobile. You're right. You're right. Aston Martin. Yeah. Fast horse. Yeah. And during Boys for Pele, she talked a lot about cars. Maserati. Yeah, she did. And she would talk about Formula One. Yeah, she was really into racing. And then even when she was talking about Mm -hmm. the process of self-producing, she compared it to like being behind the wheel of a race car almost. Oh, my God. She loves to. And then she would talk about her pickup truck. Yeah. She would always talk about her pickup truck, 94, in New Mexico and Taos, driving Mm -hmm. that pickup truck. Her Saab. Oh, my God. Her Saab, driving in her Saab through the ocean to Ireland. But she is a car girl. I have to say, this lyric almost seems like a callback to Way Down when she sings, gonna meet a great big star, gonna drive his great big car. And now she's almost saying, you are a car, you are a star. I don't need... She is the car. She is the star. Yeah. I just snapped. I don't need to look for a man to a man's fame. Oh, like, I've got I it all. I love this. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's all becoming clear. I am a car girl. I am a star girl. Yeah. But not like a star boy like The weekend wrote. Not that. I think that means fuck boy. Does it? I think so. You're a star boy. But here's where it turns. You are at the door. The tide will come. There's a window. There's a window. You are at the door. The tide will turn. There's a window. I agree with you. There's a shift or a transition happening in this Bachelorette's life here. And Tori, or the omniscient narrator, is trying to tell the Bachelorette, like, it's going to be okay. Is that how you look at that? Yes. You nailed it. That there's a window is like a positive thing. And there's a door through which you bachelorette through that will make you happy. Yeah. And I still think we've talked about this. There are moments on this post Pele album where she's sort of bidding adieu to all of that pain. And this is a new phase of Mm. her life in a lot of ways. And I think this might be one of those moments. I agree with you. And I think that the tide will turn is such a powerful statement in that because it feels like she's looking back at herself, telling herself, like, have faith, the tide Mm. will turn. Mm. Or maybe even if she is recording this right before getting married, she might be speculating or like looking forward to it. You know, the tide will turn. Mm -hmm. And she sees a window. Like, there's a window. (laughs) Like, there's a window. Finally. Oh. So here we get this moment in the song where she's sort of vamping or kind of improv, right? Mm -hmm. And again, I wanted to just bring up the lyrics dispute because this song probably is the literal only reason so many people bought that lyrics book because I remember the vicious lyric disputes on this song. And I remember this song being like the one that I looked to to confirm whether I was right or wrong on certain lyrics. And I do remember that people would say, Bachelorette, you climb on old dogs. Do you remember that too? No. Really? I escaped all of this, or I just removed myself from it completely because I just (laughs) couldn't. I never heard any of those. Why did you hate the damn forums? I didn't hate it. I just chose my battles, and Bachelorette was not the (laughs) hill that I was willing to die on. But not that it matters, because the only thing in this verse written in the lyric book is, Bachelorette, the things you do, girls, to your bachelorettes. Bachelorette, the things you do, girls, to your bachelorettes. And boom, it becomes like... Girls. Yeah. What have we done to ourselves? Exactly. Absolutely. Totally related. Mm. 100%. 
we make our single girls feel like shit, I think is what she's saying. Yeah. The things you do, girls, to your bachelorette, you're, there's always these little terrorist acts, emotional terrorism. But sometimes, let's be clear, we're pretty good at making ourselves feel like shit, too. So you think she's saying, like, what you do to yourself? Mm-hmm. I think so. What we all do to ourselves? I think it holds both. Why do we crucify ourselves, as every, it were? Every, every day. You thought that, mm, and you thought that mm, inside a deuce, da, 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 da. what do you think the original lyrics were? Let's write them now. You did that so well. Thank you. It's as if I had just listened to it. Should we write what we think she was going to say? Okay. We're going to cut the recording for two minutes and we're going to write our own version. You thought that mm, inside a deuce, da, 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 da. What do you think she was going to say? I think she was going to say, you thought that cooling was recorded inside the church, and then you oops inside Cornwall, and then you must remember. There she goes from there. And this is a moment of Tori, like, editing and redacting a little bit to add to the mystique. I cooling. hear it. I hear it. <laughs> How appropriate, too, with cooling coming up on her recording schedule. I know. Keep your eyes on her horizon. Um, I thought that she would say, you thought that he would be the one to get your rose and get your trowel. <laughs> <laughs> powerful powerful stuff but then he wasn't because he left mm. but i really have always felt i mean i have honestly this is no joke i have always felt that she was about to say you thought that he would be the one and that she like bites her tongue mm-hmm. or like and she's then not she, gonna say that lyric. yeah and then she actually goes and then you oops look over here don't look over here i hate that line uh-huh wooga yeah you must remember and then we're back to the chorus you must remember you're a car girl you're a star girl you are at the door the tide will turn there's a window clack clack I always look at that sound as Matt hitting the drumsticks, like, in the air, like, two, three, four. <laughs> That's how I look at it. Like, at the beginning of any, like, rock song. Two, yes. three, four. Gong. Clack, clack. Yeah. You must remember you. You must remember you're a car girl, you're a star girl, you're at the door. Which I like that positive self-talk, you know? To engage in that positive self. You're a car girl. You're a star girl. You are at the door. Mm-hmm. You should tell yourself that every morning. You're a car girl. You are a star girl. You are at the door. You're at the Dow. You're at the Dow. Is that from In Vogue too? And I'm at the Dow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tide will turn. There's a window. There's a window. The tide will turn. There's a window. That's also really positive. I think that's like, we don't say it enough, or I guess maybe not profound is not the word, but the tide will turn. Like anything like a big shift like that. I mean, this was a huge shift in her life. This was a huge change in her life, Mm -hmm. right? Do you see the line, there's a window? Do you see that as there's always an opening, there's a way out? Or reassurance that you haven't missed your window for something, meaning your time. It's not too late. Oh, that's interesting because... It really paints what being a bachelorette is, depending on what side you take. Like, if there's a window out, you can always go back to this wonderful life of bachelorettism. Mm-hmm. That's one way to look at being a bachelorette. Or there's still a window, you haven't missed your opportunity to not be a bachelorette. That's another uh, opposite way of looking at being a bachelorette. So I would be very curious to know what the community thinks. And what do you think? 
I'm sorry, I'm sitting with that. Yeah, the tide will turn, there's a window. I think that means there's always a way to move forward. If you're feeling stuck in any situation, it's like, this isn't gonna be forever. Like, you can be happy. Mm-hmm. But you're up, you fly alone now and you cry sometimes. Bachelorette, you fly alone now and you cry sometimes. I feel like that is October 1994, Tori flying to different cities to be with somebody for a couple of hours to fly back. Me too. Yeah? That's exactly what I think of, yeah. Like you may be a jet setter, but there's a, a heart of sadness there. Mm-hmm. And then to pair that with this line. There's nothing like it in the world. There's nothing like it in the world. It's kind of like you don't know what someone's going through, or they may seem like they have it all together, but they really don't. Or you don't know what's going on in their minds or what they're feeling or what their heart is doing. So to say that there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing like it in the world. Is she pairing that with you fly alone, you jet set, you climb on rooftops, or is she pairing that with you cry sometimes? I pair there's nothing like it in the world with you'll go to Paris on your own. Those are the lines that are connected to me. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you that it's connected to that, but I feel like you fly alone now and you'll go to Paris on your own. Those are like great things, right? Those are like this jet-setting bachelorette lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But also she's thrown in like you cry sometimes and it's all mixed together. You get the joy of being a bachelorette, but there's also a pain there. There's like the sadness. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Like sometimes there's a lot of freedom. Sometimes it's really fun, but sometimes it can also be sad and lonely. And there's nothing like it in the world. It's like its own unique thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, just bachelorette. You climb on rooftops and you bachelorette. I just want to point out one of my favorite musical moments in this whole song is this little squeak right here at the end. I love that. By this point in the song, just bachelorette, you climb on rooftops. Do you think now she's going to throw herself off the building? No, I don't. <laughs> at this point in the song, now I'm no. sad. She's hiking up there to look at the view. I'm telling you. Yeah. Champagne glass in her hand. Full of dust. In silhouette. Long tracking shot out. Pulls back to reveal the city. <laughs> pulls uh -huh. back even further to reveal the planet Earth. Yes. Pulls back to reveal the solar system. If any song is her Carrie Bradshaw moment, it's this one. She's got like a Cosmo. You can turn dust into Cosmos. You even go with Mr. Big and then you hi, hi. You can turn dust into something. You even This is unique because this is, I think, the first time and maybe the only time in her catalog where she actually types out the yai dai dai da dai. Like that appears as the official lyrics. Because mm. they're placeholders generally. Yes. But here they're official. And she spells it specifically Y I D I E D I D I D I. And we'll explore in the live section. She says, You even, yeah, I die, 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 yeah, die, 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 die is sometimes emphasized when she does it live. I die, I, I, e. die. Oh, that's better. 
Do you think that the bachelorette has to die for her to be happy? Like she has to kill the bachelorette? No. And you, you don't think so? You don't think she pushes her off the roof? No, I don't. That's terrible. She's coming up behind her. You even, yeah, I die, 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 die. I don't know if we should read too much into that. Literally read too much into it. She also spells it die your own Easter eggs, D-I-E. Well, you've got to kill them. Mm. That's obvious. It's related to the Christian myth of resurrection. Mm -hmm. She's calling Jesus Christ the best Easter egg of all. She has risen voice. You get it. What is she apologizing for? For giving us great music? Never apologize for being a bachelorette. Never, Tori. What do you think she was really apologizing for? Dropping the words? Uh, Mostly, I think she gets tickled by something. She gets a little bit tickled and she breaks like before the music has really sort of, before the sustain on all the instruments has really cut out, Mm -hmm. she starts laughing. Mm -hmm. So then I think she apologizes for potentially like screwing up the take because she laughs over the music. I agree. And then she realized it's like an SNL sketch where we're all just waiting for her to break and we love it, even if it seems calculated and fake. I never liked that. You don't? I was like, be professional, Jimmy Fallon. I know. That's yes. Be professional. I knew you would hate that. You're like, as an actor, I hate that. Don't break. You stay in (laughs) character. Come on. If you can't, like, you are not a professional comedian if you can't like stifle a laugh every now and again Mm. if you're so amused by yourself you have a lot more work to do exactly then i don't need to laugh at you (laughs) yeah do you think they accepted her apology they just looked at her stone-faced unspeaking (laughs) unblinking like you know what tori we don't accept your apology we flew all the way to (laughs) cornhall to to cornhall we flew all the way we flew all the way to cornhall to record this album for you stop messing around let's do this thing matt silently steps up from the drums and just walks out yeah (laughs) he kicked his bass drum really hard on the way out all right well has anything changed for you in reading through the lyrics everything everything well i mean i'd never connected this song to daisy dead pedals before so there's that oh good what's your favorite lyrical moment I actually really like you can turn dust into champagne. It's like, you still got it, girl. I love that. You still got that secret spell. Mm -hmm. What if her secret spell is to be able to turn dust into champagne? Yeah, could be. I'm pretty sure Santa's is. Oh. Or at least into Martoonies. You can turn dust into pitcher margaritas. Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite lyrical moment? I think my favorite is you even remembered his name. Like, that's the true feat. Like, yes, you could turn dust into champagne, but woo, Mm. she's good. And I just like that uh, Tori, as the omniscient observer, is almost honoring that. Like, I, in, in my opinion, you even remembered his name is a big deal. Mm. I mean, how many Johns can you remember? Golly. Too many. Should we listen to Yanta? Let's Yantaize it. Let's make Yanta into a verb. You would climb on rooftops and you Yanta. And you Yanta. That means when you do an instrumental cover or something. Yeah. I'm Yanta-ing right now, please. I'm Yanta-ing for my life. And like no one's watching. I can play this. <laughs> mm. Ooh, she's changed it up. She sure has. <laughs> there was again. <laughs> oh, I can't play this anymore. It's too complicated. Mm. Have faith in yourself. I think you're good. This feels very, like, jazzy, dancey, like, 
20 swing ladies dancing. Well, interesting, because I was going to ask you if you think this song has like a Middle Eastern flavor to it. To me, it does. More so in the production, not necessarily in the yeah, piano. Yeah, in the production for sure. And then, yow, yow, yow. Yeah. Yes. Can you do that again, yeah. please? Yow, yow. Um, but I think hearing the piano isolated, it almost has more of like a tango. It feel does have to a tango it. vibe, totally. Yeah. You hand the bachelorette that rose, and then she puts it between her teeth. <laughs> She's like, thanks for the rose, yes. sucker. <laughs> Dances away. Mm. This is good. I know, I love it. dying to like see this choreographed now we might just have to do it absolutely we could do a tango mm. like about this too not only its playfulness which is sort of exhibited in its staccato and just kind of you know just the lightness of it but also she's leaving room for the guys mm -hmm. and there is so much as you strip out the piano you realize how much production is there is mm -hmm. in this song make room for daddy favorite musical moments the song has a lot of them i love the break with the drumstick clacks clack clack yes and i love that the timing changes slightly there's two breaks and the second one there's less of a pause and it's a little bit faster i don't know that's just very satisfying to me there's a window there's a window yeah he's yes. like speed it up speed it up kid i think we have to acknowledge too we talked about the fact that it's a little strange that Bjork and Tori both had songs titled Bachelorette pretty close to each other, but they're not dissimilar musically. No, they're not. And if you put, which I have, if you put Tori's Bachelorette under Bjork's Bachelorette, they're kind of keeping the same beat. Yeah. You can kind of hear her piano beat in, the, in Bjork's song. It's very strange. We sort of joked about this being a Bjork cover or the fact that looking at the title, we thought it might have been, but I don't mm -hmm. think it's out of the realm of possibility that it might have actually been inspired by Bjork's Bachelorette. And this could be sort of like Night of Hunters, like a variation 
on a oh, theme because I really don't think they're dissimilar musically. They have kind of like a, I don't know what you would call it. It's almost like a tango vibe. Yeah, going. it's very tango-y. Yeah. Tango and cash. Tango and Tash. Tango and Tash. Is that Tasha's first star vehicle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the name of her first album. That would be a great debut album title for her. Tango and Tash. And there's kind of like a rattling cowbell at certain points, specifically yeah. towards the yeah. end. It makes me feel like I won something at a carnival. I've got like a big yeah. t- teddy bear to figure out how to get home now. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. a bachelorette. I'm not going home with a man. Just a giant teddy bear. Carpool lane. Carpool lane. <laughs> what is your favorite musical moment? Um, well, there's a lot of them. How much time do you have? <laughs> you got all day. I mean, the whole vocal performance is my favorite musical moment, obviously, because I think the vocal performance is just fun. It's it's spirited. It's maybe possibly inebriated as well. I don't know. There's something really loose about it. I really like that. And I like the playfulness of it. But as far as just like the musicality goes, I feel like there's so much layered and embedded in this song that I'm still like hearing now, you know, like little breaths and little like noises here and there which i really like and like you said earlier just this kind of strange middle eastern vibe that's what it is it's like middle eastern tango and i love that i love just like the weirdness of the whatever sample she's playing on the keyboard do you think that noise was added after the fact is that keyboard is that guitar i can't tell I can't tell either. I think that, and I do think it was added after. I think a lot of it was like in the moment, but I I think that there are other things that are layered on top of it. Once they realize like, oh, that's fun. Let's make that a B-side. Let's Mm -hmm. work on that one. Yeah, it's cute. I think it's, and in that way, it's like a symbiosis of what we love from her and the players, but also like a really great moment for the engineers and everybody in the control booth, you know, it's just like a really fun and you can see, like, they're embarking on this whole new adventure with a band. You know, it's, it's all new, and they're all trying new things. And I really like that. Mm-hmm. I hope we see the band again one day. <laughs> it's funny because I was looking through this book by Christian Schubert called Ideen zu einer Ästhetik der Tonkunst, written in 1806, The Characteristics of Musical Keys. And this song is written in A minor, and I wanted to point out that A minor is generally associated with pious womanliness and tenderness of character. Hmm. Interesting. I love this new segment. (laughs) Where I read from Christian Schubert's book on the characteristics of keys. Yes. Only in the 90s. (laughs) If you liked that cover, you can head over to patreon.com slash Yanta where you can become a supporter of Yanta's. He has done every cover of every Tori Amos song, for the most part, I have to double check. I'm always unsure if he's done everyone. But he also is a newborn father. So head over to his Patreon and send him some congratulations. Love what you do for our community, Yanta. Thank you so much. If you really like sheet music, you can head over to figuratoryout.com, where our friend Paul Roy has compiled 20 years of sheet music from the Yahoo group, Figuratory Out. He's compiled it onto figuratoryout.com. You have to be a member to subscribe, but it's free to be a member. And once you are a member, you have access to not only the studio songs that have been transcribed by numerous people, but also improvs, live versions, really cool stuff. So check out figuratoryout.com. Posted to Really Deep Thoughts, July 2nd, 1998, by Becky. Um, hello everyone. Feel very naked right now. 
This is the dreaded first post of a terminal lurker. So my name is Becky and I'm a Tori-holic. It started so innocently at first, a little earthquake here, a little earthquake there, and three albums later I'm hooked. Seriously, I've been lurking around here. It sounds creepy, makes me think of spies in trench coats since the awe-inspiring violent took over this list, but I guess I've always been too busy or too bashful to post before. Why now? Well, I'm eight hours away from my best friends and I'm terrifyingly lonely. This is the first summer I've lived at home since I left for college three years ago. I guess I still have a few friends here, but they're all pretty busy with husbands and babies. Am I that old? Jeez. Anyway, I guess my introductory post shouldn't be too long, but I have to say that I think Tori must have intuitively written Bachelorette for me. I didn't care for it too much at first, but as all my girlfriends found rings on their fingers by the end of this spring, the lyrics took on a whole new meaning for me. It's a little consolation as I progress into old maidhood. To anyone in the St. Louis or Kansas City areas, I'll be at both shows much to my professor's dismay. So maybe I'll see you there. Becky, I fly alone now and I cry sometimes. And now let's listen to this cute little chill remix of Bachelorette. It's cute, it's cute. Excited to have back on the phone, Cecily. Cecily Landfield. She's a frequent contributor to our show, and she's back because she loves Bachelorette. Hi, Cecily. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Yay. Thank you. How have you been? Been pretty good. I've been going through some life changes, and well, kind of pertaining to the song we're going to be talking about, I'm not really much of a bachelorette anymore, but I was a bachelorette for quite a while. <laughs> Ooh, you rediscovered your bachelorettism. A little bit, yes. <laughs> how, how was it for you? Well, 
I like having a nice, stable relationship, <laughs> which is what the person in the song doesn't sound like she really gets many like stable relationships yeah. and maybe it doesn't quite end up getting what she really wants or something so, but this is an interesting song to talk about like i get to kind of re-listen to it i have some interesting thoughts on the song for sure oh well let's hit it then so why bachelorette what draws you to that song back in the day back in 1998 what was it about that song well, I didn't hear the song until I really started digging more into Tori because it is a B-side. I found this on, uh, I think it would have been hereinmyhead.com. And so that's where they had a lot of those like unreleased or B-side songs. And I remember downloading it and I thought it, it sounds to me, this almost sounds like kind of a jam. It sounds like Tori, like she's been playing with the boys for a bit and maybe they got drunk or something on some red wine because we all know that Tori loves red wine. And just went, okay, boys, let's just kind of go play. And it, like, because some of this sounds slightly improvised. Mm-hmm. Like maybe she had some ideas in her head, like maybe from hanging out with her girlfriends and just kind of improvised and like kind of told them basically what she was going to do and kind of went from there. Like it feels very loose. It feels yeah. like she's just like having fun with the guys and the way she sings, she sings very slurred. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really does. Like maybe she was a little tipsy and especially at the end where she, you know, and then you're like, <laughs> um, our theory is, you know how there is back that ass up, in front of Mary's of the Sea on a piano. Mm-hmm. Our theory now is that this is like a pre-roll for like Hotel or Jackie's Strength, or they're just kind of like playing together right before they're recording something else. That's our new theory. Yeah, it definitely sounds kind of like improvising and like getting into the groove, because it also has a really cool groove to it that I don't think she's really put into a lot of her music, but it's really cool. It's a different sound than what comes on the rest of the album, for sure. And I can see why it was a B-side, because it doesn't quite fit, but it's just it's got this really cool sound, and the lyrics are really, really cool as well. You know, I still don't quite understand what she means by the Braves you painted pink for, but, I mean, I like pink, but, I mean... <laughs> well, here's my theory on that, and you can tell me what you think. The Braves you painted pink, meaning... In my mind, oh, the men that you've had, the Braves, like the soldiers, the soldiers that have crossed the front lines to be with the Bachelorette, like, oh, the Braves you painted pink. You know, just sort of like a little Toryism. That's my thought. Yeah, I could see that. Because, I mean, the rest of the song, like, to me, this is about a woman who's single. So I think of, like, a, I also like, like the show The Bachelorette, like, single woman looking for love. <laughs> um, probably no connection to Bjork, although it would be interesting to hear these mashed up mm-hmm. for sure i feel like this is about a woman maybe it's tori she's the friend and she's talking to one of her girlfriends who's single and maybe kind of goes from guy to guy maybe never quite gets what like she wants somebody to settle down with but kind of guys are kind of on their own terms like you try to show him that he can like hey you can you can settle down with me you can have all this wonderful life with me but you can never rush a man as in like he's gonna be like no 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 i don't really know like he's just gonna kind of be on his own timetable and i feel like the same woman that maybe she feels a little bit alone sometimes you know you fly alone and you cry sometimes but that she's got all this freedom to do whatever she wants she doesn't have responsibility she can go be crazy and climb on rooftops and maybe things will change. But, you know, for now you've got all this 
this freedom and that you should you should enjoy that even if maybe you want somebody maybe to settle down with. If all makes any sense. Yeah, you look at this as a, a separate person from Tori Amos. You don't look at this as a song about herself. Not necessarily, because I know she's often written about her relationships with other women, like when she wrote about like bells for her, about Beanie, Raspberry Squirrel is like women relating to each other. So I don't think this necessary. I mean, it could be Tori, but I feel like it's more her, like kind of her observations of maybe the way that her girlfriends interact with each other, or sometimes the way that women can sometimes put each other down. Like um, looking at the lyrics, like uh, the things you do girls to your bachelorette. I'm going like, oh, well, maybe she hasn't found a guy because she's too ugly. Or just like the way that women can be to each other sometimes that we're not very supportive of each other sometimes we're doing a lot of psychological mind games yeah i definitely see that in the song and i've never really considered it as her singing about someone else which is so weird because it could be it could be a song to be and it could be a song to any of her female friends but i've always really personalized this for tori so i love this different perspective what's your favorite lyric in the whole song well, I mean, there's a couple. Like, I'm a big Francophile, so of course, you know, you go to Paris and you're like, oh, Paris, Because Paris is such a beautiful, like, well, it, people consider it, especially Americans consider it to be this big romantic city. And it can be, but also I've been to Paris twice. And, well, I mean, Paris is beautiful, but it's also like any really big city. It's like if you're not from the United States, you need to come to New York. And yeah. it's all you've ever seen in France. Like, yeah. I mean, Paris, is, it is beautiful, but it's also very crowded and very smelly. <laughs> what does it smell like? Um, <laughs> like hot baked bread? If you're near a boulangerie, yes. But if you're, like, in a park, it's like, okay, this is, like, wet dog. You know, just glad to look you up. <laughs> um, but I also, like, you can turn dust into champagne. Because that makes me think of, like, a party girl. It makes me think of yeah. somebody, like, going, like, Oh, just taking any anything and just making it making it really nice and yeah. and cool and, and pretty. Yeah. This is one of my favorite eras of Tori's music because it's just she was really getting to her peak in my opinion, like vocally and like playing with the band and just doing really cool stuff. And there, a lot of the songs I can relate to personally, like this one. What is so personal about the song to you? Well, so. I've been a bachelorette sometimes. Um, like I came out of a very long-term relationship. I was married for 10 years to a man. And then I got into my first major relationship with a woman. And it just like, whoa. Like that was one of those, who you hold, you know, the stereotype is through the you hold. And the relationship didn't work out. So I felt like there was a time where like, I was kind of realizing that, you know, even there were times where I was alone and I cried sometimes, but, you know, I can do a lot of things on my own. I can, I'm living on my own for the first time in my life and, and I can really figure out who I am so that when I do find the right woman, that when she comes along, I'll be all ready. Wow. Look at you. A revitalized bachelorette. Yes, indeed. It's interesting, like, because, like, my experiences of dating, you know, I'd always dated men, and now I, I'm dating women because I've come out as a lesbian. And so it's a very different experience, and I'm also a lot more sure of myself and what I want and everything. So I like being an older bachelorette. I like it because, you know, I'm older and I'm, like, more settled and yeah. doing things that I want to do. Yeah. Cecily Landefield, follow her on Instagram. Where can they find you on Instagram? Um, never Enough Flowers. Four, the number four, this life. 
I am also on Twitter at Cecily Music, and I perform regularly on Twitch. I'm on twitch.tv slash Cecily Music. Follow Cecily on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram, and we'll have you back on again, Cecily. We'll talk to you soon. Indeed. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. You climb on roads on you. You try to show them but you can never rush my end I'm very excited because on the line we have a researcher from London. We have Jessica Wren Butler, whose love for Tori was born in 1998 in this era. Hi, Jess. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm so good. You know I love talking to the Brits. You know I love crossing the pond. (laughs) Well, you probably... Well, actually, maybe you would love it today. We are having the shittest summer we've probably ever had. It's just doing nothing but rain. Um, But I know you like it a little bit cooler. So um, we can swap places if you like. (laughs) (laughs) We can. I would love to. Here I am, 8 in the morning. I'm already sweating. It's terrible. Um, Why don't you tell everybody how you discovered Tori Amos? Let's start there. Okay. Well, I was a weird little 12-year-old sitting in my house in um, the southwest of England, in Devon. So actually not very far away from where Tori is based now. And um, we used to have this TV show called Top of the Pops. And it was kind of like a weekly chart show, I guess. They'd kind of play some live performances and maybe some videos from stuff that was in the top 40 and then they do the kind of countdown to number one. And when the Spark single came out, I guess Tori was on top of the pops and I just caught some of her performance and was like, ooh, I like this song. I like this. That was like really before the internet was a thing or anything. So it must have stuck in my mind because a few weeks later, I was in the one shop in my local town of Totnes that sold any music at all. Um, it was called Woolworths. Also, it doesn't exist anymore. They would just stock like the top 20 singles and maybe the top 20 albums as well. I think Spark came in like at number 20, maybe. So it just kind of like dipped into the charts and then right back out again. <laughs> and I found it in a, a bargain bucket. Bought it for like 99p or something like that. And took it home and played it. And I was like, oh, I like this. And I, it was the one with um, Bachelorette as a B-side. And yeah, just kind of got into it. And then a few weeks later in the same shop, again in the bargain bucket, I found the whole album and bought it with my birthday money and I guess I recognized it because it had the same you know I really loved the artwork and I was really drawn to that and I bought it and I got it home and I listened to it and I was like what is this horrible cacophonous nonsense (laughs) (laughs) I still love Spark and I loved Raspberry Swirl and the rest of it I was just like ah my ears they bleed (laughs) why have I done this to myself my birthday money (laughs) yeah it's gone all seven pounds (laughs) Um, And I bought like some other CDs at the same time. But this weird thing happened where like every time I would go to put on one of these other new CDs that I'd bought, which I can't remember exactly what, it was probably like Madonna's Ray of Light and maybe something by David Bowie. I just, it was just like I would be reaching for something else and my hand would go to Choir Girl and I'd put it in. And I like just couldn't stop. I couldn't stop listening to it. 
and I just fell in love with it. Somewhere along the way, my loathing turned to love, and I was kind of sold from that moment forward, really. I love that. I have a similar story in terms of, like, I didn't love Little Earthquakes at first. There was something that was so enchanting about it that I just had to keep going back to it. What do you think that was for you? Was it her voice? Was it trying to decipher the meaning? Because you can tell the music is so meaningful. Yeah, I think it was the vibe. The vibe? I think really what I connected to with Tori at first was the vibe. I was thinking about this because having been a fan now for such a long time, and especially through your podcast, coming back to some of those earlier albums and listening to them in a new way and you know your line-by-line analysis and everything making me think about the lyrics in a way that I don't think I ever have because I didn't really think about them when I was 13. And then I've just sort of taken them for granted in all of the years since then. And I think it wasn't that, you know, I didn't sit there and listen to the words and be like, oh, she's speaking to my soul. I so identify with this. There was just something about the whole atmosphere of it and this sense of it being a bit kind of outside the norm. Yet something, it like spoke to me on this very inner emotional level that didn't necessarily have a kind of logical, rational counterpart to it. It drew me in and it felt like it really resonated with the place that I was in at mm. that time on a kind of very feelingsy level. Um, now, you, your first single was Spark with Bachelorette on it. Was that just an immediate draw in for you? It's a kind of weird mix of tracks on that because there's, the, you know, the intense and deeply sad Spark and then you get, get Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas and you're like, it's April. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why is this year? And then Purple People, very kind of soulful. And then it ends on this kind of upbeat fun but with the sad undertone but you know that kind of the giggle at the end it's a very it's a very different kind of ending to the beginning and I think I liked that kind of the whole range and probably Bachelorette was the one that spoke to me because it had the rhythm I think that was what I really liked about the whole Choir Girl is still my favorite album now for that the the bandiness the kind of rhythm that it has to it Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed what's your favorite musical moment in the song I think, I mean, I really love the like, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. But I think also just the way that the kind of the intertwining of what I assume is a twangy guitar in the background with the notes on the piano, like there are these moments where they really just kind of dance with each other almost, like they're kind of intrinsically connected in a way that I think comes across in this song and that doesn't always in a lot of her other work where all of it works with each other melodically and harmonically and whatever but it's not they don't seem to be quite so I don't know it's a weird way of describing it it feels like the guitar there is kind of wrapped around the piano and like they sort of have to coexist and I really like that it makes me think of like a tango or something yeah kind of sexy dance yeah we were saying that earlier as well and I that sound that you're referring to you're confident it's a guitar because we weren't sure so I just assumed it was like the keyboard added in later but it totally could be Steve Caton on guitar he has a way of like winding through her sound anyway so that it makes total sense that part you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a difficult song to do impressions of. Yeah. <laughs> how many times have you seen Tori live? Um, I don't have a count. It's not as many as it should be for how basically she has totally changed my life and the whole course of my life. I oh. mean, through like a variety of kind of things. So I would say it's probably about eight, I think, eight or nine. Are you planning to do the whole next European tour? I mean, I really, I've never done tour before and I would love to do tour. I'd actually like to do the American part <gasps> of the tour because I'm obsessed with America um, and I just love the idea of doing that. But what is there to be obsessed with America about? What do you like about America? 
I mean, obviously there are lots of things about America that's not to love. Um, <laughs> You're telling me. The political system and your, your health care and your, um, you know, there, there are lots of problems. But also, like, none of those problems don't exist here, you know. Like, I mean, other than, for now, we've still got nationalised health care. But a lot of what happens over there is, is no, definitely no better in the UK mm. and in some ways worse. To me, American, the American temperament almost seems fundamentally a bit more kind of open and upbeat and excited. Or something. It makes me feel like anything is possible. And I don't think it's just like the fact that I'm a traveler in a strange land, although I accept that that is part of it, like especially being a, you know, a white British, reasonably attractive woman in any country, most countries, particularly Western countries, is going to give you an advantage in terms of having like a, a nice time there. So I definitely don't discount that as being part of what I've really enjoyed about my trips to America. But it kind of feels a bit like anything goes and like there's less cynicism than there is in the UK, which I find kind of troubling here. I feel a bit like we're we're always kind of standing in our own way a bit and not really quite letting ourselves let loose or have fun or potentially see the best in things. And so anytime I've been to the US, I've just found it to be like a very expansive experience and has opened new horizons for me and enabled me to be a version of myself that I like being more. You've just described the bachelorette lifestyle, all of it. (laughs) You know, there's such a freedom in the song, too. You fly alone now and you cry sometimes. There's nothing like it in the world. You go to Paris on your own. She's just describing a whole mood. She's describing, like, the idea of, like, you have this intense freedom to do whatever you want, this wild abandon. It's a little sad, it's like you cry sometimes, it's sort of thrown in there. But ultimately, it's like just this uh, open life that The Bachelorette has. Would you agree? So I've done two kind of longish trips in the US. And the first time I went and I stayed with a friend of mine in New York. And then I did some traveling out from there, like mostly by Amtrak. And I really, really loved that. And it kind of gave me the confidence to go back again a couple of years ago and do a trip like totally on my own basically from san francisco across to chicago and then down and across and back up all by amtrak and all myself and that felt for me like the culmination of my bachelorette ideal it's like when i was 13 and listening to bachelorette it was really aspirational for me i like there were all these things that i wanted to do that i wanted to have the confidence to do independently but i felt like i couldn't because i was too scared to do them on my own but i didn't really want to do them with anyone else and i felt very and I was kind of listening to Bachelorette thinking I wish I could be the kind of person who would go to Paris on their own and I wish I could feel this empowered to gad about in this bacheloretty way and then eventually 20 years later I was like oh I, I can do it now like I've learned how to do it I'm doing it and I'm enjoying it and I'm in that place and I totally get that nuance of like it can go from being really empowering to really sad in a moment because you're at once like wow like I'm here sitting on the edge of the Grand Canyon at sunset drinking a can of wine on my own aren't I awesome for doing this and doing this by myself and then you're like wouldn't it also be nice to be here romantically with someone at sunset holding hands and doing this whole like sort of romantic experience and that those two things can exist side by side you can appreciate one and kind of feel sad that you haven't got the other and I'm not quite sure I've yet reconciled the fact that when I have one I really miss the other one Mm -hmm. so I'm never quite satisfied but maybe there's some of that discontentment in the song as well you know Mm -hmm. like you're always wanting something that you can't have or haven't got 
That is so beautifully stated. I feel like there's great sadness and joy anyway, and great joy and sadness that are like intertwined. You can't really separate them. So of course, in the case that you described, I've not yet learned how to do that. And you're right. Wouldn't it be amazing? I wish I was the kind of person to be able to go to Paris on my own. You know, as I enter my twilight years, I'd love to start traveling like around the world in places I've never been to before. I mean, how did you get over that? How did you, what was your first step to like come to the United States? You just did it. You just decided like that's something I want to do. Yeah, I think it had been, I traveling at all and particularly traveling alone had been something I'd wanted to do for a really long time and was held back by my fear of doing it really. And that made me feel very resentful because I was like, I don't want to be and yet, you know, blah. And I'm going to say the thing that really made it possible for me was getting some money. Like I took a voluntary severance package from a previous job. So I suddenly had like a few thousand pounds in the bank. And that freed me up to be able to do it in a way where I felt like I could buy my way out of the situation if I needed to. Mm. But I could tell myself, you can go. And if you hate it, you can just come back again. You know, you don't have to hamstring yourself by this. I've invested everything in it. Or I literally can't get myself out of this situation because I've got no money to or Everything became like slightly less important. The fact that it cost me something was just a bit like, you know what, it's only money. And at the end of the day, you can use that to augment your happiness or to remove yourself from misery. And that's a good use of money. Yes. It's a bit like the thing of, you know, if you get a lift with someone to a party and then you're stuck there until they want to leave, it's really easy to start having a horrible time. But if you know that you can just go whenever you want, you're like, oh, well, I'll stay another five minutes and maybe it'll get better. And then you end up being there until five in the morning and, yeah. Well, this has been an unexpectedly inspirational conversation, especially whenever the European tour is announced. Myself, I intend to do the whole European tour. I've never done an entire European tour before, and it just feels like it's the right time. But I can't imagine that any of my closest friends will be doing the whole European tour with me, even though Peter wants to do as much as possible. But I feel like there's probably, you know, I can't expect him to do every single show. So I'm getting into that place where I've got to bite the bullet and take the step to travel through foreign lands by myself. So this has been super eye-opening and inspirational towards that. So thank you for that. Where can people find you on the internet if they wanted to follow your adventures? I'm on Instagram at Electra's Tongue, and I'm also on Twitter at Reltub Akisedge, which is Jessica Butler backwards, but I very rarely tweet anymore, so Instagram's the best place to find me. And you can find all that info on our show notes, songsoftoremus.com. We'll have everything there linked, so you follow her immediately. It seems like you go on amazing adventures. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. It was wonderful. <laughs> From beautiful downtown Los Angeles, the dating capital of the world. In color, it's the Bachelorette Dating Game. And here's your host and the star of our show, Tom Berger Anderson. The Dating Game is brought to you by the wonderful Guitar Echoplex, Kellogg's brand Breakfast on a Tray, served every hour, and the Choir Girl Hotel Luxury Chain of Resorts. Well, good evening, everybody. I'm your host, Tom Berger-Anderson. It's lovely to be back with you on another new show. It seems that each show I'm placed on gets canceled after one episode. I don't know what to make of that. But here we are with the Bachelorette dating game. And with us is one of the city's most eligible bachelors, or he's the city's most eligible bachelor. We'll find out, I guess. I would say the world. I stand corrected. With us is the world's most eligible bachelor, Efren Jr. Welcome, Efren. It's me. It me. 
All right, are you coming in hot out of COVID quarantine? Are you ready to get back into the dating game? I am ready to sink and swim in that dating pool. <laughs> All right, well, we have three bachelorettes here with us, hidden behind this panel, ready to be probed and questioned. And at the end of our questioning round, you will pick one bachelorette on which to go out on a date. How does that sound? I love it. I can't wait. I've been looking for an eligible bachelorette for quite a long time. Mm. Quite a long time, Tom. Ephraim, why don't you tell us all a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, Tom. I'm a 20-something eligible bachelor who lives in beautiful downtown Los Angeles. I live pretty close, actually, just uh, right around this bookcase, actually. <laughs> I love sushi, bike riding, and miniskirts. I'm looking for a sassy and sexy bachelorette to share some cool days and some hot nights. And I host the world's greatest Tori Amos podcast. Some might say only. Tell us about your co-host on that show. She's a man of many characters. <laughs> All right, let's ask our studio audience to give a warm welcome to our bachelorettes and have them introduce themselves. I'm ready to do this, Tom. Bachelorette number one, why don't you introduce yourself to me? Hi, I'm a sassy single, ready to mingle and flaunt all I've got. I've been described as very much a, a dark angel, very primitive, pig Latin ghetto feminism. Choose me and you won't be disappointed. Although I can't guarantee I'll always treat you right. I don't even know why, I'm wild. Oh, well, well, bachelorette number one, I'm very pleased to meet you. What about you, bachelorette number two? Hello. I might not be loudest girl in the room, but when I hit, I hit hard. I'm a professional poker player who's hot to trot and knows just how to start your engine. Vroom, vroom. Oh, I like the sound of that, Bachelorette number two. What about you, Bachelorette number three? Hi, boys and ladies. I love gardening, making tart fruit smoothies, and queer baiting. Just kidding, I'm pansexual. I'm a potty girl. And despite what you may have heard, I am not desperate. I'm just a big flirt. Let's go! Well, Tom, we sure have a, a wide variety of bachelorettes to choose from. I cannot wait to get to know these girls. It's never been wider. Find my life partner. <laughs> oh my God. It's going to be a sort of fairy tale. I can tell you that. <laughs> Ephraim, have you written questions you'd like to pose to our bachelorettes to try to get to know them a little bit better? I actually have, Tom. Thank you for asking. I have them right here. Shall I, shall I start? Yes, please. Bachelorette number one. I like a unique and exciting date. If I were to pick you, what would your plan for our first date be? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I'd like to create an experience. First, I take you on a tour of my old neighborhood and show you my roots, and then we book it to a handmade cigar workshop where we can really get to know each other while learning how to make peeled Havanas. Oh. That sounds delightful, actually. <laughs> I love Cuban cigars. Bachelorette number two, same question. Oh, it might be how you say uh, difficult to really get to know me on first date, but I do my best. I'll show up in my best lilac dress and try not to be too messy. Uh, then we go scuba diving. I love underwater things. Ooh, <laughs> a water baby. Okay, uh, I can get into that. Okay. Next question. Bachelorette number three, after a long night of cruising at the Eagle, I love a good nightcap. If we were to go on a date, how would you hope that our night would end? Oh, I love a nightcap and an encore. I just love an encore. In fact, that's what you could usually find me. Believe me, I know how to end a night. And boy, by the time we're done, I'll make you a man. <laughs> oh, 
from a boy to a man. Mm. Tom, these bachelorettes are hot to trot. They sure are. Bachelorette number one, same question. After a long night of cruising at the Eagle, I love a good nightcap. If we were to go on a date, how would you hope that our night would end? Oh, honey, just when you think it's over, I'll hit you with a fat drop and go hard for at least another three minutes. I'll have you speaking in tongues and going deeper than you ever thought you could. You think I don't know? Oh, I would love to know, Bachelorette number one. Okay. Next question, Bachelorette number two. I keep a busy schedule and hardly have time to relax. Where would you take me for a weekend getaway to help me wind down? How about the Vegas? You like Vegas? We hit tables and get Cirque du Soleil, baby. I'm gonna take you to see O, you know that show O? It's like wetter, classier circus because it's French Canadian. I do know O, I would love to see O. Good answer. Bachelorette number three, same question. Where would you take me for a weekend getaway to help me wind down? Hot damn, I'm not your senorita, but we're headed to Mexico, baby. I'm in. (laughs) I'm in, Tom. Tom, these (sighs) ladies are wild. Finally, because they're so wild, I feel a little, uh, my final question of the night is for all three. Bachelorette number one, where's the craziest place you've ever made whoopee? Mmm, I'd have to say in the shower while eating chips using my own body for percussion. Hit me. Ooh, okay. Bachelorette number two, where's the craziest place you've ever made whoopee? Oh, it is, it's toss-up between, I say, uh, horseback and dog sled, baby. (laughs) Bachelorette number three, same question. I like it hot in the club on the dance floor. Well, there you have it, Ephraim. I don't know what it is, but you got it. Thanks, Tom. (laughs) I think I have three eager bachelorettes is what I have. Mm. Are you going to be able to narrow it down to just one? I don't know, Tom. It's a tough decision. I'm going to go with bachelorette number one. Oh, my goodness. All right, the bachelorette you have chosen. Let's bring her out, everybody. It's cruel. Ridiculous. This is so silly. I know. I was writing it. I was like, I hate myself. This is so dumb. (laughs) No wonder I'm a bachelorette. Am I right? Yeah. (laughs) Can you believe I'm single? Yes. The answer is yes. (laughs) Yes, we can. Join us next week for our new show, Who Wants to Be a Cooling Air? How many brambles is too many? We'll find out. You are entering the AMOS Live Lounge. Last stop on the Kuvershtadam. Welcome back to the lounge, David. Oh, yeah. There's not a lot of live in this lounge, I don't think. Don't mind the stripper, the male strippers over there. They're just working the party. Don't mind them. Our bachelorette party? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Don't mind the penis pasta. You climb on rooftops and you yide I die. I think that's what she means. <laughs> <laughs> I redecorated for this specific episode. It's all pink. You think that's uh, gender biased? Uh, yeah, but I like it. I'm feeling girly. Okay, good. There is not much live in this live lounge this week. You're right. Tori Misses performed this song a total of 13 and one quarter times. Mm, lucky 13. Lucky 13 and one quarter. That's what I always say. <laughs> so when we were talking about this off, like right before this, you said, I'm surprised it's that much. Whereas I said in my mind, I'm surprised it's that little because she's toured solo for so long 
it should be, in my mind, the beginning song for a lot of her shows. Like, she's out there on her own, you know? <laughs> you think she should open Wouldn't every it, solo show with Bachelorette? Not every solo show, but certainly in 2001 when, like, she would come out. It would just be, like, a fun opening. It, like, Oh, yeah, following 97 Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> Fine. Okay. But like the festival shows, 2014, which is having fun after Parasol. Like, let's bring it up a little. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah, come yeah, on. I can see that actually. So safe, so safe, Bachelorette. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, I think it could be. <laughs> I think it could work. She never performed it at all in 1998, which is not surprising. Why? Why is that not surprising? It is surprising. <laughs> it is surprising yeah. to you that she never performed it in 98? Yes. Why? Because... Why is that surprising? Because it's a choir girl B-side, and it's like the band jamming. It totally makes sense to me as something that they would have performed live. Really? Yeah. At least once. And it was requested. I feel like it was. Give us the tea. Yeah, Dor loves this song. Well, of course she does. Dor's got great taste. Uh-huh. So Dor requested it. I just gave you the tea on D. That's about the extent of it. She asked for it, and Tori said no. <laughs> the tea on B by D. Yes. So, so she asked for it. What city? We need to know what city. I think she asked for it repeatedly. Name. A city. Dora went to every show, so... <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we could just close our eyes and point, and I'm sure she asked for yeah. it there. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I wonder what the hell was going on that she could work up, like... Well, she didn't really work up anything random with the band that year, so... Yes, she did. Let, name one. Muhammad, my friend. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Sugar? Sugar's good. That's unexpected. I know, but it's, you know, something she created a band arrangement for. I just feel like this song was born of just kind of like an improv jam that maybe it lived there in her mind. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't get it right in the take, so it was never an actual song. We never actually, like, officially made it a song because, I, you know, we didn't record. Pot. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, there could have been a few different takes, as we said. But, like, maybe it was never something real, like maybe. a real song. So do you think this was the equivalent for Tori at the time of improv jam slash Marys of the Sea? Oh, like, yeah. Of like, course if we asked her to play that, she'd be like, back that ass up. That's not a song. I'm not playing that. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a song sketch in her mind. And fi- I'm glad that she finally, it seemed in 2001, she was like preserving her legacy a lot more. Like, there was that t shirt. Do you remember Since the Earthquakes? That t shirt that had 10 like years. all the pictures. Yeah. And uh-huh. it seems yeah. so long at the time, like a decade I since know. the earthquakes <laughs> came out. We were but children. Decades. Which is true, actually. <laughs> but meanwhile, right now, abnormally attracted to sin just celebrated its 12th birthday Uh, we got another preteen in the house i know she's almost a teenager okay so she didn't perform it in 1998 which to me is not surprised i guess we're on opposite sides you're mortified i'm nonplussed yeah the only thing that makes sense to me is that i don't think tori was particularly playful at that time like the shows were like kind of heavy and serious and maybe bachelorette would have just like stood out like a sore thumb i don't know well, it's funny because when I said it, I'm not surprised, I would have always pictured her doing this in the solo section anyway, mm-hmm. if she had. And you're right. I think she wasn't very playful. She even talked about like what comes immediately to mind is how she didn't want to join Lilith Fair because her show is an experience and she's it's not like can't be in this outdoors with like a different group of people. You know what I mean? Like that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't very loose. It wasn't very flexible. And you're right. Even when you said she redid Muhammad, my friend, that's a heavy song. So I get that, though, especially like these days. I don't want to be outdoors with a weird group of people. No, thank you. (laughs) No, thanks. So the first time she actually performed this song was in 2001 
on October 17th in Grand Rapids, Michigan at DeVos Hall. Betsy DeVos Hall. <laughs> oh, no. Here's that performance. Roll it, Oliver. love it i love that the crowd it's still such a rarity that the crowd still goes wild for it Mm -hmm. every single time what do you think and then as per usual she got a taste for it and she did that thing where it seems like she forgot that it existed and then she's like wait yeah Uh this song is good so she performed it the very next night october 18th in detroit michigan roll it again oliver understand this show david i don't understand this podcast whatsoever you know why get in line join the club but tell me why because any other song playing 13 different clips from 13 different live performances that's no big deal we played 30 clips of precious things but i'm not about to play 13 clips of bachelorette Mm -hmm. but i will play this special special moment it was i think her fourth time performing it and it was october 31st 2001 in houston and i saw it. it was her fourth time performing it and my first time observing it. Mm. Here we go. I 
was a really good show. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. She wore a mask. Mm. That's where she told me that she was, she was like, ooh, interesting choice about when I requested Way Down. Yes. And she wrote it down like, and it would have fit. She was doing this like dark theme that night. She did Raining Blood, Happy Phantom, This Old Man, which was wild at the time. Of course, House of the Rising Sun, Bachelorette. Way Down would have fit in perfectly that night. It totally would have. So, I believe her intention was to play it for me, mm. even though she didn't. We'll consider that Fun fact. Out. When was the first time you saw it? Was it in L.A., November 17, 2001? It must have been. I believe so, yeah. It must have been. That was your sixth time playing it. Roll it, Oliver. And she only performed it six times in the United States, that tour, and then twice overseas, abroad. Once in Belgium, and this is the last time she performed it in 2001, in Frankfurt. Bachelorette abroad, a bachelorette and abroad. Uh, my friend Joy was in a TV show called Locked Up Abroad, and my dad said he was like, "Where can I watch that show Joy's in?" I was like, "Which one?" He said, "Abroad, Locked Up." <laughs> That's so awesome. Does she play the broad? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was confused. Like what? you're searching for it wrong. Uh, he was like, "I'm sorry, I was distracted, blasting in Vogue." Let me turn that down. <laughs> I'm shocked that it was only eight times. Honestly, when she realized it was like a crowd pleaser, everybody went wild for it. You th- you know she loves the fame. You know she loves the attention. I know. Why wouldn't she do it every night? Why wouldn't she do it every night? Probably because she has like 200 songs, so. That's true, by that point. <laughs> this podcast would have been an enormous task even then. It sure would have. But I wish we'd started. It's a testament to our can-do attitude or our ability to delude ourselves. I'm not sure which. Right. Tori never performed it again until 2010, the summer tour. And she did it a quarter. She did just like this improv randomly. I'm desperate to know if it was a, obviously it had to have been a request, right? 
I don't know. She probably just remembered that she was in Paris. And then she was like, oh, yeah, I have this <gasps> song where I reference oh, Paris. Yeah. Let me do it. Someone Googled Tori Amos, quote, Paris lyrics and then a pop bachelorette. Mm-hmm. You know, she's saying you go to Paris on your own. And then she turned and winked. She's like, I am. I am here alone. It's a solo tour. <laughs> I am here alone. It's a solo tour. <laughs> but she looked amazing that night. And here is that performance. <laughs> Yes, she will drink loads of champagne, but she can't see a goddamn thing. (laughs) She paired it with Suzanne. Is it because Suzanne is the eternal bachelorette? Is she? Is she? Suzanne? Yeah, because he says, Suzanne takes you down to her place near the river. You can hear the boats go by. And she's already stolen that imagery for Upside Down (laughs) 2. You think she'd written Upside Down 2 back then and she was just sitting on it? Well, we had talked about Abbey Road becoming Upside Down 2, remember? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I Mm think she had. That you can find in our special Patreon-only Abbey Road episode because it's not part of the actual chronology. Do you think she was also thinking back to when she lived in the boathouse prior to Boys for Pele? When mm-hmm. she was the last mm-hmm. time she really was a bachelorette? Well, it was only a, sh- a brief improv. Like, you can't even... Do you qualify that as a performance of that song? I do not. No? I don't think so. I don't either. And I think it's offensive. And here's why. I'm going to present <laughs> you my theory. How dare she? How dare she? After nine years, finally perform a bit of that song, whet everyone's appetite for Bachelorette again, and then never perform it again the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. How dare she? How dare she toy with us? She loves to withhold. She sure does. And the next time she would perform it would be in 2011 on the Night of Hunters tour. Night of Hunties. That to me is really surprising. We're really on, we're always on opposite teams. Team surprised or team not surprised. We can't even line up on that. (laughs) That's true. That's weird. I am not surprised because of the quartet needing to tune and she was digging deep for short songs that she could use as interludes. So I think that's why it showed up. Look at you, the consummate professional, always (laughs) thinking with your business mind. I'm thinking this is one of, she only has like a few solo spots. Why are you going to put Bachelorette in here? Mm. But I'm happy she did it. She did it three times. And the first time ever was in Moscow, Russia at the Crocus Hall on October 2nd, 2011. Oliver, roll over. You're a cuckoo, you're a stalker, you're at the door. The tide will turn, there's a window, there's a You fly alone now and you cry sometimes There's nothing like it in the world You'll go to Paris on your own And you'll just bachelorette Eat da 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 and then you're bachelorette You can turn dust into champagne You even die, 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 die. You even die, die, die Next time was on November 6, 2011, in Glasgow.
And finally, December 10th, 2011 in Chicago. Last two times she did this, she performed it with Snow Cherries from France. And then the first time she did it, she performed it before Siren. So it's my assumption that Snow Cherries from France and Siren are in the same key. Mm. Do we agree? Can mm. we make that assumption? I don't know. I don't know if we can. I mean, we can. <laughs> right? I mean, if she's using it to let them tune. But does she have to be playing in the same key that they're going to be playing? I don't know. I don't know. Yes, this is where my course. expertise is. <laughs> No, when you're trying to tune like a singer or like an instrument, you hit the note on the piano, bing, 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 okay. and then they like tune with it. And that's why she's got different, I, I mean, that's what I'm assuming is happening. She's playing in the key that they're tuning in for the it next could song. Could be, could be. Do we think she transposed Ugh. Bachelorette then from its initial key when she did it on Night of Hunters? We'd have to see. We would have to. We would need someone smarter than me. <laughs> someone more talented in the music realm. Mm. Right? Air piano is impeccable. What's your most oft air pianoed song? Siren. Really? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Is it yeah. the live Siren. version? No, probably the studio. Mm. I don't air piano a lot. I air pianoed more when I would drive more because I hardly drive at all anymore. Yeah. Like, when you're just like listening and you air piano on your steering wheel. Yeah. yeah. Driving is the best place or on the dashboard. Or you can yeah, do it exactly. on the steering wheel and the dashboard at the same time, like you're playing the harpsichord. Exactly. Like you're playing a dual manual. <laughs> God, we're so cool. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Or if you're really skilled and the, and you're at a light, we are cool. Yeah. You could do it on the dashboard and the center console as if you're playing two keyboards at the same yeah. time. God. For like a, yeah. God. Be coolest. Like any of her later work. Tossing your hair back. Like what? <laughs> when you're screaming down the freeway and you're Ford Focus, you're not playing air harpsichord <laughs> on your dashboard. Mm, how embarrassing for you. Are are you even living? Are you even living? God. Um, and then she would only play it two more times in her career thus far. They were both on the Unrepentant Geraldine's tour in 2014. The first, which I guess is the second to last, was in Zurich, Switzerland. And roll that, Oliver. If you're unmarried post-menopause, are you still called a bachelorette? Like how they change it from like maid of honor to, to matron of honor? honor? Right. I think that's if you're married, though. But similarly, yes. Oh, that's okay. what, that is what I was thinking, though. I don't know why I felt the need to tie it to one's menstrual cycle, but... <laughs> 
well, like a bachelor atron. Bachelor atron. I like bachelor nation. <laughs> That's a different thing. So the last time she performed this song in her career thus far was on July 16th, 2014 in Vancouver, British Columbia. And we do not have a full bootleg for it, but there is a clip on YouTube and we're playing that audio. Roll it. That was a really good show. That uh, Vancouver, British Columbia show. Mm. The set list is amazing. You want to hear the set list? Yeah. Parasol. Caudalite Sneeze. Silent All These Years. She's playing all the hits. Here in My Head. Selkie. Snow Cherries from France. Bachelorette. Virginia. Lizard Lounge was Rio by Duran Duran. And Careless Whisper by Wham. Then Taxi Ride. Siren. I.I.E. Mountain. And Cornflake Girl to end the show. Encore, Riot Poof, Wedding Day, Northern Lad, and Tear in Your Hand. Hmm. I'm into that show. Ooh, would you ask Troy to officiate your wedding or just perform no. a song? You wouldn't? Not to officiate. You, you said that with such not. contempt. Why not? You don't trust her. I said that when you said officiate, but then you added perform. Yeah, well, what if it's like I'd SNL when it's the rare instance of someone being both the host and the musical guest? But then that would make my wedding all about her. It's going to be anyway, even if she's not there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the only way I could get my friends to come. Totally. <laughs> what would your Tory wedding song be? Honestly, would probably be a sort of fairy tale. But that's not a great wedding song. Yeah. It seems but like you're want... doomed before you even begin. Yeah. But I want to listen to it like a basic bitch where they don't actually hear the words and they just hear the chorus. A sort of fairy tale with you. And then it becomes romantic to them and they sing it like out of context. Mm-hmm. Or like the same ba- basic bitches who call her a cornflake girl. Like, did you even listen to the words? Like, obviously, I want to just... I want to just relax and not hear things for once in my life. And my wedding day seems the perfect day. <laughs> That's true. You should be queen for a day. You shouldn't have to think. I shouldn't have to. Yeah, I shouldn't have to listen. No, for once. Um, what would your wedding song be? I can't think of any, like, good Tori Miss wedding songs. I can't either. And, like, speaking of basic bitch, I would never play Jackie's Strength at my wedding. Why not? Because that's, that's actually too, the best one. It isn't. It's too on the nose. Yeah, you're right. I don't want to do anything that expected. I don't want to hear I got lost on my wedding day on my wedding day in front of my partner. Me either. That would be rude. I would like to serve (laughs) Slurpees at my wedding, though. Oh, that's good. (laughs) I would like to hear from our audience. If you have a better wedding song than a sort of fairy tale, let us know on Twitter. Tweet us at Songs of Tori Amos, please. Would it have to be wedding day? And are we talking like walking down the aisle or first dance? What do you think? First dance was what I was First dance? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would have to be Dolphin Song. You're right. There's She's given us no other choice. It has to be Dolphin yeah. Song. <laughs> like, that's the one song, like, really honoring her husband without the word, I hate you, in it. <laughs> yeah. And I can imagine you going screaming down the aisle in, in a giant roller skate at your wedding. Oh, yeah. I would do that. Mm-hmm. I would do that. Yeah. Like, enter, enter. The audience stands kind of, you know, quietly, respectfully with their you know, like hands folded, waiting for you to walk down the aisle slowly in your dress. And instead you come wheeling in on a giant roller skate. Yeah, on a giant roller skate. And I'm heads above everyone else, including the person I'm walking down the aisle with. Uh-huh. And they're just trying to keep up. <laughs> yes. Well, that was it for the live lounge. I guess we can, if we could just squeeze by these dancers, um, grab one of those penis lollies on your way out. And I'll see you on the other side, David. Okay. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the AMOS 
That is it for Bachelorette. We did it. We are at the end. We even yai did it, I died. We don't do it very often, like Tori these days. About 13 times, we've yai did it, I died. <laughs> you know how she sometimes sings it? I mean, I can't point to any examples, and it would have been perfect in the live lounge, but it sometimes I think she's saying, maybe I made it up, you even die, 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 die. It turns the song really dark. Yeah, it does. Do you think she really means diet, yeah. though? Like you have to get in shape for your wedding? Die, 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 diet. <laughs> Sorry. Diet. I think she's like, no, you're going to die alone. Like you're going to be an eternal bachelorette. Like how the, it's her equivalent of that song, The Other Woman by Nina Simone. Mm. Yeah, it's her equivalent. Like you, you, you are wonderful and you have an amazing life, but you will die alone and you'll be sad. Too real. Too real. It's fine. I'm comfortable with it because I'm not alone, David. I've got my books. <laughs> Surround me by my literature. I've got my art, my things, my ideas. I can take it with me. I will take it with me. <laughs> I can and I will. Bury me with my I toothbrush. Will. How Egyptian. Um, if you like what we do, head over to patreon.com slash songsoftoryamus where you can become a supporter today. We have many different perks at many different levels, lots of audio content for Patreon supporters and more coming every month. If you really like us and want to follow us on our socials, that would be cool. And that's at songsoftoryamus across Instagram and Twitter. What else? When you're a Patreon, it's like a nonstop bachelorette party. So get into it. It really is. Get into it. Get into it. It's like a monthly um, lap dance from us. <laughs> Ooh. As we watch people unsubscribe. <laughs> Please don't start posting those videos. I see it videos. now. The numbers are dropping down. <laughs> right. Dwindling. <laughs> it's like one of those tickers, like how many people die of smoking every year. Yes, exactly. The line graph is going down. Mm-hmm. You can head over to our website, songstraymus.com. That's it. Songstraymus.com to sign up for our newsletter and... If you want to email us, it's songsoftraymus at gmail.com. If you want to give us a phone call, it's 323-296-9955. Leave us a voicemail. Let us play it on the show. Tell us something racy. Yeah. Tell us about your bachelorette party or bachelor party. Have you ever been to a bachelorette party or a bachelor party? Not technically. I did go out with the bridal party the night before my friend's wedding. So I guess that's kind of a bachelorette party. Was that door? And we did end up at a strip club in Portland where you can have like full nudity, bottomless nudity, full frontal. I don't know what you call it, but it was wild. Bottomless nudity? <laughs> it's like bottomless mimosa. <laughs> I'll take another is. nudity, please. More nudity, please. <laughs> More, more. She's not naked enough. If you had to choose God. between bottomless nudity and bottomless fry refills, what would you choose? I have my answer. Uh, bottomless nudity, because I'm trying not to eat potatoes at the moment. Yeah, we're yeah. on opposite teams I'm, again, but that's okay. Well, again, but if I had to choose between bottomless nudity and bottomless mimosas, I would choose the mimosas every time. Yeah. Nudity you can find on the internet, and there has to be a bottom. There has to be, like, an end to it, you know? Like, you can't just have it all. And I feel like bottomless mimosas could lead to bottomless nudity. So you kind of yeah. get it all. Exactly. It's like fooling the genie. Like, I want unlimited wishes, please. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My third wish is more <laughs> wishes. Gotcha, sucker. Mm-hmm. Well, this was fun. This was a nice bachelorette party. I've never been to a bachelorette party. I mean, I've been to a bachelor party, I think. 
I can't recall. It must have been good then. I feel like I went to a bachelor party for a bachelor who would never have like the typical bachelor party. Maybe it was Josh Johnson. Did Josh have a bachelor party? And did we go? Yes, we did. Josh had a bachelor party at the duplex, right? <laughs> With Brian Nash was performing. That, that wasn't a bachelor party. That was just like pre-wedding shenanigans. That was the night before the wedding, wasn't it? Because that was a Sunday and the wedding wasn't on Monday. Because the museum was closed on Mondays. Yeah, that's, how that's I remember right. That. Yeah, you're right. So it was the night before the wedding. And so that's a bachelor party. And he invited his wife, his fiance. Mm-hmm. A wild night of gay piano bar show tunes. That's why I feel like I couldn't remember if I'd been. But yeah, that was a bachelor party. Maybe we made the joke that it was his bachelor party. Yeah. Did Brian Nash perform Bachelorette that night? He should have. Oh, he must have, right? He had to have. Maybe not. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity if he didn't. And he did perform a rousing rendition of Spring Haze that will forever haunt me. That night? Yeah, that mm, night. It was wow. amazing. I really loved it. I'm going to ask him to record it for our Spring Haze episode. Get ready, world. Spoiler alert. What if he says no and then we just make no mention of it later? <laughs> Handy. Anyway, well, this was fun and not at all depressing like I thought it would be. Well, except for when you told us we're going to die alone. Or Tori did. I don't know. Someone did. Seemed right. Well, she, yeah, she predicted it. Not me. I'm just analyzing the muse. Mm-hmm. That's it. We'll have a wonderful night, morning, wherever, whenever it is Time you're listening. Time of day of your choice. Everybody? Yes. Have it all. You can have it all. You're the bachelorette. It's your day. Bye. Bye. Drive All Night is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned in this episode, please visit us online at songsoftoriamis.com.